Blog Talk Radio.
Father, we praise your name. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We praise you, Lord. Father, teach us to trust you. Teach us to let go. Teach us that when we pray and say that we surrender ourselves into your hands, do with us what you will, whatever you may do, we, we, we thank you and we praise you because we love you. Make that become a reality in our lives, Father, more than anything, because we're coming upon a time where that innate trust, that trust that's embedded into the very soul of, of our being uh, becomes a reality. It's not just something that we believe, but it's something that we know, it's something we feel, and it's a behavior that becomes uh, integrated into our very, um, the essence of our existence. Father, we also pray in Jesus' name that you will, not only will you bring us to that place of trust, but you will also continue to increase our sanctification process whereby you help us to identify we may know it subconsciously we may not know it in some cases but whatever it is that is outside of your will uh, that is a part of our physical makeup our not physical but physiological makeup our 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 belief systems um how we feel about things how we respond to things whether you know whatever is outside of your will whatever is outside of the very word of god which is you, which is our Lord Jesus, help us to to have and to develop over time through the renewing of our minds, through efforts on our part, as well as through our prayers, and as well as through the assignment of angels, help us to arrive at that place that is necessary for us to be chosen, not just called. Many are called and few are chosen, but to be absolutely beyond any shadow of a doubt, absolutely chosen, Father God. We don't want to miss the barley harvest. Father, we just want to thank you and praise you for the 2011 article that I wrote that had – at the time I wrote it, I had no idea. I even used a question mark in the – I believe I used a question mark in the title, but I'm not sure. I called it the multi-phased rescue mission about Luke 12, 35, 36, 37. Father, we just want to praise you for all of the – 
believers. It's not a humongous number, but it's it's an ever-increasing number of believers. Uh, and we thank you for the guest from Australia. We pray in Jesus' name that there will be no hindrances for that guest to join us, to be able to confirm that there is, in fact, three raptures, a barley harvest, a wheat harvest, and a grape harvest that happens in Revelation 14, which is the, the tribulation saints that have the seal on their head and don't get stung by the locusts. Father, we just praise your name and thank you for these revelations. Thank you for the confirmations. And we just pray more than anything that we are indeed those who are chosen. We do not want to make that assumption. We come before you with an absolutely contrite spirit, knowing that there is no possible way that we are worthy by any means, by any. but, but we also recognize we do have a responsibility to be as obedient as we know how to be to your word. And But we will always be just a little bit, well, we'll miss. Uh, as Isaiah, you know, I, I am undone. As the, as the coals were touched to his lips, um, Father, there is no way it is, you know, we, we, it is your righteousness, it is your mercy, it is your forgiveness, it is, and it is our continued faith and perseverance and constant uh, self-examination, self, you know, judging ourselves that we would not be judged, 1 Corinthians 11, uh, 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 you, you know, uh, 31 and 32 in particular. Father, we just praise you for these revelations. Help us to continue to be contrite in our approach to the throne, not to believe that we you know, have no presumptuous sin and, and to, and to continue in our walk, uh, self-examining, uh, living every day, you know, wondering to ourselves if, if any given behavior that or feeling that we have in our heart, uh, is out of alignment with your perfect will. We want to be in a perfect alignment. We want to be Ephesians 5:27, but we know that Jesus is coming for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she will be holy and without blemish. Father, we don't want to miss. We want to be chosen. We want to be chosen. We're just letting you know, as, as the scripture says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. But, Father, we don't want to have that presumptuous sin that offends thee. And so we come before you with a contrite spirit, and we pray in, this, in the spirit of uh, and the intent of Luke uh, 21, 36, that as we approach the, the period, you know, as we approach the uh, – it seems ever-increasing at an ever-increasing speed, we appear to be approaching the, the beginning – and then probably soon thereafter, the end of the third seal, where it says, do not harm the oil or the wine, which obviously is pointing to the bride. Father, we just pray in Jesus' name that our understanding of that uh, indicates that we will, all of us, all the barley harvest, the wheat harvest, and the grape harvest will all be here for that moment in time as we are probably being jettisoned at that point into World War III. And uh, as we are already see these things happening, it appears that our estimation that the seals can be popped open off of the scrolls in Revelation chapter 6, but the scrolls can roll out in parallel. And um, that revelation appears to be true. It appears to be happening across the world as we watch these uh, dynamics unfold before us. But more than anything, Father God, it's it's not a matter of wanting to escape, but it's a matter of, you know, the you know, it is part of it, of course, because that's in concert with your word. But more than anything, Father, we want to be the all that we can be. We want to be a part of the first fruits barley harvest. We want to be part of the ruling class of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not that the wheat harvest will not be a part of that. Not that the people that are even wiped out by the uh, meteor strike that occurs in Revelation 6:12 and causes the great earthquake, uh, the worldwide earthquake. Father, it's not that the, the people that you know, if they're practicing holiness and righteousness and where they ought to be uh, in their walk with you, uh, with our Lord, you, Lord Jesus, as our first love. 
then and then they too would be part of that grand uh the, the, you know uh, that ruling class with Jesus and we we all want to be a part of that uh father wh- whichever it is you've chosen us to be a part of but we are going to come before you and we're going to ask and we're going to ask you and please in Jesus name having been aware awake and aware of all of the things that have been happening across the world having been privy and given so many mysteries in the bible about the first watch the second watch and the third watch and and knowing about these things makes us even more hungry, panting as the deer, for the opportunity that has been laid before us, because we wouldn't even be aware of the opportunity if you hadn't showed it to us, and how, how desperately we want to be a part of that. Um, and we just praise you for helping us along that way. We are imperfect. We shall remain imperfect, but we are not going to be bashful about asking for your help. We beseech you, Father, in the name of Jesus. I see the changes that, that I've been struggling for the la- over the last three years. I see major changes in the last couple of weeks, but I'm still not going to be, I'll never claim that I'm there. I know that we always are going to be in, in a position of weakness and temptation will always be. And, and, and when we really, truly realize what holiness and true righteousness through you, Father God, means, uh, we recognize that that bar is raised very, very high and that it is only through our continuous confession, our continuous humility before you, renting our robes as the tax collector and the tax collector and the Pharisees parable. And, and understanding that is what cues us up. It makes us eligible to be chosen as part of your bride, part of the ruling class, part of the first fruits. And we pray in Jesus' name that we all, every single listener of this program makes it. Thank you, Jesus, every single one, because we're all imperfect, and I believe in my heart that we're all eligible, and it's just that our hearts have to be right, and our practices have to be right. We have He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he, Jesus, is righteous, First John 3, 7. And he who sins, willfully and, and, and habitually, uh, sins so because of the devil and the devil's influence. It doesn't mean you belong to the devil. It just means that you, and we know these things. And, Father, we just praise you for the the, the epiphany that is associated with these understandings because they do motivate us they help us they give us they help us understand that it is not just some miraculous angelic event that is going to happen in our lives it's going to change us and make us chosen but it is an effort that's required on our part which is reflective of the words that are in your scripture may we spend more time in it every single day uh, myself included and we just thank you for this the, all the things that are happening across the world finally after 10 years of of seeing it wax and wane and wondering if we're going to really go into the end times now we know now we know we see all the things that Jesus warned about in the Olivet discourse uh becoming more than just a reality it is really happening it is it is it's 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 bigger than just a reality that we glean off of a television or a news report but it is becoming a reality in each of our lives for those of us who are aware and we just thank you for that we give you all the praise and now do him our Lord Jesus, who is able to keep us from stumbling and present us faultless before the presence of your glory, Father God, with exceeding joy. And we all want to be there. And to you, Father, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. Hallelujah. Amen. Watch and 
For I would come for you one day I gave you my word so you would know The time I'd come and take you home It's time for you to look around The signs I gave for coming down Don't be called a sleeping blind You don't want to be left Come and be home 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 well, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. It's just that, you know, it's just like you open up all the show notes. You look at all or, or you look, you know, I open up the show notes to prepare usually around five o'clock on Sundays to start jamming in the most important of the headlines that I can pick out and think, you know, even feasibly that I may be able to get through some of them. But, you know, I'd like to read uh, more detail and discuss it more. But unfortunately, time just doesn't allow it. Um, anyway, I could get into that. I mean, some people like three hour shows. Some people take say three hour shows are too long and then uh, and don't even get me going on this whole sleeping thing uh and then plus th- th- these other things i just wanted to first off i want to get something squared away i just feel led okay now um and here's where it comes from but yeah this is how the lord speaks to me so i do want to touch the listeners with the principles behind how i joke around about things on the shows. And if I've had a particularly difficult day like I did last Wednesday, it was insane. I'll just leave it at that. Um, it was insane enough that I came very, very close to canceling the program. Okay, but I didn't. And I went forward and I was in such a mood. But anyway, what and of course, the more of such a moods that I happen to be in when I do the program, the more likely I am to be like cynical, you know, but it's... um. But as the regular listeners of this program know, particularly those who have been around for 11 years, give or take, um, you know that I am always raising my hand. There's, you know, for example, you know, just so you know, uh, I I have fallen victim. I mean, when Deepwater Horizon happened, I almost left my wife, left my house, left my job, left everything because I believed what I was hearing on YouTube. I'm not going to get into who was saying it. I'm not going to, you know, uh, I will not say anything negative by name of any of, of our brothers and sisters. Okay, I may make mention like David Wilkerson did, and he did it right, about the behaviors, the groups, that kind of thing, and that ought to be avoided and why. Um, but uh, that's as far as I go, because the Lord has already made it very clear I'm not allowed to go there. For good reason, because when the person repents, guess who's holding the bag of ugly in front of Jesus? You are. Never do that. 
And of course, well, anyway, I'm, I, I could I could preach it for Proverbs six sixteen seventeen eighteen. It's all there, and so it's, it's all over the Bible. It's in James. It's just all over the place. All right, but anyway, I wanted to um, you know. So I got this email, and this is what triggered this. I got to talk really fast because I got a gazillion things I want to try to get out before we bring on Sister Paige Covey, uh, which, by the way, uh, I have heard is an absolutely amazing testimony. Praise God, and we're very very blessed to have her. But she's not used to the program. We haven't had a pre-show conversation, so she's going to be dialing in at precisely on the top of the hour at 8 o'clock Eastern time and expecting to come on online immediately. So I'm going to try not to be running over on the news tonight if I can avoid it because I, I don't want, you know, she doesn't know. And of course, she'd be like, okay, why is he still talking? Did I call in at the wrong time? And so anyway, I just wanted to uh, share that with you. I want to try to stay on the, t- the clock the best that I can. But I also want to share some some things with you. So I'm going to hit hit hit. I'm going to just dive right in. Okay, as the British say, push forward. So anyway, so I get an email from somebody. Now I've seen emails from this particular person before. I don't know her. Uh, I will just leave it at this. Her first name is Tracy, and I'm not even going to tell you how her her name is spelled. Okay, it's yeah, leave it at that. All right. So anyway, so she puts in the subject line, "I love you." Now, of course, that's a Christian thing, you know. So don't get any ideas in your head or else you'll have to go repent for those. But anyway, um, uh, and she said, uh, she says to me, um, laugh out loud, even though um, you want to give me a swirly, you'll always be my bestest pastor now. And then she puts a big old lovey, smiley, smiley facey thingy there, you know, to kind of solidify it and all that. And, And first off, let me correct something. Okay. I used to get a little kind of juiced up a little bit because I've had so many people say, well, you're my pastor. 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 You're my, you know, over 11 years of doing this, I can't even, like I said, if I had a dime, I'd be on a really nice wooden polished, you know, 40 foot yacht at St. Martin doing this over a huge, you know, satellite connection. But you know, I, I used to think about and then I thought about it and I was like, no, no, I'm too much of a dork up anyway. And besides, pastors nowadays in the 21st century, they really – I don't want to be equated with that group. I, I'm sorry. I just don't want to. Um, I don't want anything to do with it. I would rather just be some knucklehead wearing a uh, Hawaiian shirt that's like three times too big, uh, you know, uh, sitting down here in Tampa, Florida. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that's more of a reality. You know, I don't want to, you know, I used to think, oh, wow, that would be really neat if I could be a pastor. of a, and then, But when I look at the state of the church out there and even the, the guests that have had their incredible testimonies turned away from churchianity and, and be, been made unwelcome to share their amazing testimonies in their churches and have now decided to walk away from it, good for them. Good for them. Praise God. Because until you walk away from the prison that you're kept in in churchianity, until you break free of those pews and get that glue off your hiney cheeks, you are going to be stuck. If they're at rung number four on a 10-rung ladder, guess what? That's where you're going to be when Jesus comes. And your thoughts and your way you feel and what's inside of your heart, you may have been never taught properly. And if you weren't, well, you're not going to qualify for the barley harvest. So, um, and then you got to like go through a lot of ugly that the barley first fruits doesn't have to. 
And that's, you know, and, 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 but, but we also have to be productive, you know, and yes, prayer is arguably one of the most powerful ministries that you can, you know, you, you can be a shut in, you can be in a wheelchair, uh, you could be in a hospice with, you know, a limited amount of time on the earth and you can still turn your life into a prayer ministry. And it, and let me tell you something, I have testimonies of people that have been taken to heaven and the angels that were given the tour to said, you know, that, that, that God gave them that size of a mansion because of the way they prayed, not because that they were a pastor. So, um, again, the first will be last. The last will be first. Do not ever get that notion or let the devil think that you are unworthy because that's a bunch of boulder dash. It's coming from the foul, foul stench-filled mouth of Satan himself, who we are in control of through the power of the Almighty Father God. Uh, and we resist the devil. He flees, and we command the demons into the pit, and we declare the fire of God to burn him into screaming agony. End of story. John 14, 12, 13, and 14 says, and greater things than these will we do because our king has gone under the father hallelujah and that time has come when do you think it's going to happen in the new millennium well yeah probably but that ain't what it's talking about it's talking about right now all right hallelujah thank you jesus so anyway just make sure you make prayer a uh a a ministry for yourself and um and and it, it god will love that he will absolutely gush all right now uh, and, uh, and, and also, for those of you, this is going to blow by you really, really fast, but I want you to hear it, so I'm going to give you like a mini trumpet fanfare thing here. Okay, that's enough. Um, uh, but anyway, um, so uh, for those of you who have to fly, who are listening to this program, who have to fly for a living like I do, I know, gag me with a spoon, that kind of thing. So, um, but anyway, the world is returning back to the pre-plandemic bioweapon poisoning of mankind and the injection of AIDS and uh, all the people that were taking the boosters and all that kind of stuff and the slow motion kill cycle that's going to be occurring over the next year. I wonder how many people I work with that are going to actually survive. I don't know. I pray for a lot of them. But anyway, um, for those of you who have to fly, I took a chance on a new invention. I bought it from the United Kingdom, which is the only place you can get it. It shipped over to the United States pretty quick, which is rare. Um, I guess they must, I don't know. But anyway, um, it's called KipKit, K-I-P-K-I-T, with a hyphen in between. Kilowatt India Papa hyphen Kilowatt India Tango, KipKit. Guess what? It folds up real small, fits into your, uh, you know, padded leather brief. And you take it out, unfold it, put it around your neck, and it gives you a rest for your chin, and you can actually sleep sitting straight up. I know. You don't believe me. I tried it on, and it works, and I'm psyched because when you're six foot two plus and you're pushing 300 pandemic pounds, because i got to get that weight off of me, some, come heck or high water. But anyway, um, yeah. Uh, it's an amazing thing. So I thought I would share it with the listeners of the program because I know that there are those of you out there who do have to fly. And, um, oh, my gosh, K-I-P, K-I-T. I know. It's like, um, hey, send the check and money order to – no, for Grant. I'm telling you because I love you. I do the show because I love you. And I'm going to explain that to you a little bit more right now. Okay, but also I'm going to share this. With, here's a goal I set for myself. Now, I don't know how long – Jesus will probably come before I'm able to actually do this. But I found – 
I, I was watching this particular show. It was a TV show. And on the TV show, they had this scene where this guy who was, you know, probably in his early 50s or whatever, was out doing, you know, early morning calisthenics. And evidently back in this, I mentioned this on a prior show, uh, in the 60s and the 70s, they had this song called Go Chicken Fat Go. That was the name of it. Go you chicken fat go. It's kind of like a march, you know. Well, it turns out that there's some, you know, I don't know what you want to call it, but college out there. So when you type in go dash chicken fat dash go uh, and you look at the YouTube videos, you got to look for the one that has the college cheerleaders in it. Now, it's not just the, it's the whole cheerleading squad and their leaders and some men and everything else, but and, and even their mascot. But they actually do the whole deal on the video for you to watch. Now, you know, when I was in the military, I used to have to do this every single day. And by the way, even into the, the song, it even says, don't do it once in a while. Do it every day. Make it a habit. Now, here's the thing. I, I, I know I realize that this is like when pigs fly kind of a thing, but I'm, I'm going to try it. I really am. I'm going to try this. But get this. I decided to go ahead and watch it and, just, and figure out exactly what this song, which is only six minutes long, entails as far as the exercises that are included in it. It's only six minutes. And it's really kind of a cool song because it's very motivational. And when you watch the cheerleaders and, and their, and their uh, leaders and, and the, the men and everybody doing it, you, you can see they're struggling, but they're doing it. And then I'm thinking to myself, I had to do that kind of stuff when I was in the Navy, PT, they called it, every morning. And then I'm thinking to myself, man, I have degraded. Man, I am like, you know, the antithesis of Jack LaLanne, who is like 93 years old on TV going, how come you can still run five miles a day? And he's like, because I only eat God's food. And I'm like, well, what am I eating then? Adkins is like Satan food or something? But anyway, so, um, uh, so get this. Ten toe touches, then ten push-ups, then ten toe touches, then ten push-ups, then ten marching in pace slow, ten marching in place fast, then ten sit-ups, then ten times hands on hip, twist left, twist right, ten times. Then hands behind your head, alternate your feet, front, left, front, left, front, left, ten times. Then ten jumping jacks, then ten marching in places, then ten arm circles, little, back, front, then back, then big front, then back. Then you do get in your back and you do the bicycle. Okay. Then you do um, uh, the um, uh, then you do a uh, sweeping of your arms. Um, that this is an out sweep. Okay. So it's like a big out sweep. You sweep out away from your body up to the top and then back down and you breathe real deep. Now what I'm noticing here though. Oh yeah, I got the ten sit ups. Where that they they were struggling with the sit ups by the time they did all the push ups. So anyway, so I decided to test myself. I just wanted to know if I was going to survive. So I got on the uh, floor and I started to do some push-ups because it's like 10 push-ups, then, you know, or 10 toe touches. Those are hard to do when you're 60 plus because by that time, you're no, you're about as limber as a brick. Okay. And so you can, you know, if you do toe touches, now a lot of people cheat when they do toe touches, they let their knees bend and that is incorrect. A proper toe touch requires you to keep your knees absolutely locked which means that your knees are going to bend back the other way. They're locked. Okay, they cannot bend forward. They must be locked. And that causes the tendons on the back of your legs to stretch when you reach down to touch your toes. But if you do it right, they're locked. You touch your toes. You do that 10 times. Now, right now, I'm about a foot away from my feet. Okay, but I know how to do them right. 
If I let my knee bend, I'd probably be able to touch them, no problem. But I, I know how to do them right because of the military. All right, but anyway, uh, and also probably high school, but I don't remember that stuff very well by this time. It's like all kind of a blur. I, I remember that, you know, principal's office and all that. And the guys that used to chase me, I was a tall guy back then, tall, big guy back then. And, of course, that meant that all the heads that we called them that, that we had the – the heads, they were the, they were the heads. Those were the, 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 the bullies that would hang out over on the corner and, you know, smoke things and do things. And then, um, and then we had the jocks, and just like every other high school, the jocks. And, of course, they're untouchable, and all the girls want to go out with them. And, of course, the cheerleaders want to go out with them and blah, blah, blah. And it's the same old story. But then you have the real true geeks, the ones that joined the chess club, the ones that are in the band. That was me. Okay. And what did you know? And I'm working in a totally geeky profession right now. But what's fascinating, well, never mind. I'm not even going to go there. All right. So anyway, I thought I would share that with you. Uh, I tried the push-ups, and um, I'm not surprised. Uh, I know what the proper form is, um, and there's no point in doing a push-up if you're not using the proper form. Um, So I insisted made myself use the proper form you know no bending your waist or any of that and uh i made it down exactly i'm pretty sure i made it down one centimeter so let's hear a a enthusiastic applause for the lord jesus because i made it one centimeter down all right thank you jesus hallelujah all right so my next goal is to work my way up to two centimeters. All right, praise Jesus. And, I, and I've, I've tried everything, folks. I've tried to schedule my workout at lunch. I've tried so hard. I blocked off my calendar, out of office. Oh, 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 nobody cares. And the worst thing is if they schedule a meeting over the top of my lunch, which I've had, I've had senior managers go, don't let them do it. Don't let them do it. you got to work out. Don't let them do it. Don't let them do it. And I'm like, dude, you don't get it. If I don't show up for that meeting, they're going to go ahead and make a decision that is going to turn my life into 10 times worse than than it. I don't even want to use the term living hell because anybody who's listened to Bill Weiss, you know, 23 minutes in hell, hell, you don't even want to use that term. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, um, also, I wanted to share this with you real quick, and then I'm going to go into the news. So I am talking as quick as I can. Kids, you're hanging in there for me, aren't you? Okay. Okay, be patient, be patient, hang in there. So I get this email, you know, says, I love you from this woman named Tracy. She says, laugh out loud, even though you wanted to give me a swirly, you always are my bestest pastor, which, of course, I'm like, I reject that remark. And uh, but anyway, I'm like I said, just some goof nut in some house down down in uh, Golden J.I.B. Studios here in lovely Tampa, Florida. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So anyway, um, and I said to her, I responded back and I said, okay. Because, you know, I, I knew I had – it was one of those days – when my brain becomes that overwhelmed as I was last Wednesday, it, it shatters it. I mean, I, all of my cognitive thinking abilities, the order of events, the things that I want to talk about and all that, it just gets shattered because I'm so overwhelmed. I, I, it just, it's very difficult to explain, and um, I have a really weird job. But anyway, that's just how it is. So I, I told her, I said, I had an unbelievable, an unbelievable Wednesday. I said, I almost canceled the show. I had five, quantity five, multi-billion dollar global companies dump on me all at the same time, which, by the way, is not an exaggeration at all. They're all household names. You probably have stuff in your house from each one of them. Um, now, then she says, well, I wish you could hear me giggle. It's really not important. I'm looking forward to the prayer vigil. 
So she's totally laughed at whole, laughed it off that I said that I wanted to give her a swirly, but I'm dying to know why because I can't remember. I talk so fast because these are what's known as a quip, Q U I P. They're witticisms, but really I'm always raising my hand. Okay, when I say you know it's like talking to a bag of wet sand. It's intended to be funny. It's intended to make you laugh. It's intended to make you rethink why you believe something. But it's not intended to rule me out of it. You see what I'm saying? I'm always raising my hands. I have been duped by the best dupers in the entire world. And what's worse is the best, the, 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 the dupey dupey are the ones who actually believe their own poppycock. Okay, and they've a lot of them have doctors now. So they introduce them as Dr. So-and-so and they bring them onto their YouTube channel and they have this big, important looking fake studio behind them. And Dr. So-and-so comes on and says things like six million people will die by July from the from the uh, vaccination. And then I get all these emails with this person's YouTube video. Six million people will buy, die by July. I'm like, no, six million people will not die by July. Okay, it's just not going to happen that way. And there's a million, not a million, but there's a very significant number of reasons why when you apply critical thinking skills to the problem, you would come to the conclusion that that has to be absolutely incorrect because they would be found out. They can't be found out. So the best thing for them to do is inject basically the AIDS virus, cause immunodeficiency disorder into people, and then everything that your body was suppressing will now become a reality. And never mind that blood coagulation thing and the myocarditis and the people on the soccer fields dropping over dead and teenagers having heart conditions and all the other stuff that's happening. It's unbelievable. But no, no six million people were dropping dead. They didn't, didn't happen. They were wrong once again. They're wrong all the time. I have people send me, they get offended sometimes, I feel. And I, I look, I don't in, uh, intend to offend anybody. And if I do, you please email me at jbaptist777 again. That is jbaptist777 at gmail.com. I am here to tell you that there have been times in my life that I've been more gullible than you. All right. Make no mistake. If I had time to sit here and explain to you every single person all the crazy stuff that people are trying to project out there under the name of Christianity, that is absolutely incorrect. I'm not saying that they're pushing false information. I'm not saying that they're making fake news. I'm saying that they actually believe it, which makes it 10 times worse. They're highly credible, and, and it's very easy to jump on that bandwagon and go, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, this is terrible, this is terrible, this is terrible. And I'm like thinking, what's more terrible than AIDS? What's more terrible than living knowing that any second now leukemia that you might never have had in your entire life will now become your death? That's what AIDS is all about. When your immune system is, and I, and I printed an article two years ago when the pandemic was released, when the bioweapon was released, when the gain of function was released out of Wuhan by Fauci and Obama and all this creepy weirdness. And um, I told people, I said, this is what it is. It's going to kill your, your, your immune system. And now everybody agrees. The Epic Times comes out with almost daily articles about it. But it took them two years to finally, you know, enough doctors to finally get together and say, look, it's got the AIDS virus in it. Okay, so there really isn't, you know, anyway, but I mean, it doesn't matter what, you know, I don't want to make enemies with anybody. But over time, you know, if you do the same thing, here's the thing, I, I can't, it kills me. 
to see how much is happening. I mean, the list. I could do an entire show on things that Christians who honestly believe with all of their heart are the right and righteous things to do, but they're wrong. And somebody has to help people because the problem is if when we lose collectively as the body of Christ, all credibility, guess what? Our testimony goes the heck in a handbasket. That's just how it works. Well, anyway, so, you know, yes, there was a lunar landing. No, the earth is not flat. I'm sorry. Don't take offense. Please don't call me names and throw tomatoes. No, snake venom. In, they've been using snake venom in, uh, in various forms for decades inside of medications. Okay, there's even uh, whatever. All right, um, six million people dying. And by the, by the, they were even saying that there was, gonna, there was a kill button, that they could press some red button and stuff, and everybody's just going to drop over dead. It was insane. Um, uh, uh, Russia slaughtering civilians. It's the same thing. It's a lie. They're not. The, they're going to be blamed for all of it, the mass graves and everything. But no, that's the Azov Nazi battalion that's doing that. They're the ones that are shooting in the back their own. Uh, you know, the armed forces of the Ukraine army are not all Nazis. Okay, but many of them probably embrace some of the idealism, but they're being shot in the back when they try to uh, get out of uh, Avastopol, okay, where the metal, metallurgical plant is located. That thing has a, a nuclear bunker, a post-World War II nuclear bunker in it, and it's got food supplies, and they can hang out there for a long time. Putin came forward and said, leave them alone. Stop trying to, you know, don't lose any more Russian lives trying to go get these guys that are living in this underground bunker there. Just let them go. You, you, I guess he figures eventually they're going to, you know, but they're sneaking out at night and they're murdering civilians still in, in, in Mariupol. But they have full control of Mariupol. So that's a lie. Anybody who's saying out there, the United States, for example, that Mariupol is not fallen yet is full of Boulder Dash. I mean, Boulder Dash is literally falling from a gigantic. Now, this is a quip. This is what I'm talking about. It's a quip. I say this stuff. Anybody who believes that, I'm sorry, but they had, you know, historically speaking or whatever, uh, uh, analogously speaking maybe, uh, you know, the equivalent of a giant um, uh, quarry truck dump a bunch of dum-dum powder on their head. You're missing the point. You're not seeing. You're watching the mainstream liars lie. We are supposed to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves, and we're missing – a lot of us are missing the point. And I know a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still, and if you try to tell somebody and wake them up, they're just going to look at you like you're insane. And then your, uh, you know, whatever, financial – your social score will go down, and you won't have a credit rating, and, won't be, and then we'll all be homeless. I know. It's just absolutely insane. But that stuff's happening in different parts of the world right now. All right, so anyway um, – it doesn't mean that I don't love people who believe the earth is flat. It doesn't mean that I don't love people that don't believe in a lunar landing. It doesn't mean that I don't love them. But, you know, my life is different than theirs. I saw the last space shuttle go up. I was there. Well, not the last one, but the last night launch. They, you know, these folks, don't, you know, flat, flat earthers, don't believe the space shuttle even exists. They think it's all fake. Okay, whatever. All right, so um, I'm not going to go there. But anyway, um, they can believe whatever they want to believe. As long as, they, as long as we all believe that Jesus is Lord, cool. All right, and that's what it's all about. I, you know, maybe in some other realm or dimension, the earth does appear flat. I don't know, but not in this one. All right, okay, so anyway, so, uh, and I've, I've even published articles believing that the onion was telling the truth. And had hundreds of people write me emails and go, you are such a gullible, dumb, walking piece of celery. So I'm telling you, I'm in with you. 
These are known as quips. I, I don't have time to spend 10 minutes deciphering the reason why the, some of the things that are being said out there are absolutely nuts. So I make jokes about them. It doesn't mean that I haven't fallen prey to it myself. I have. All right. All of us have. All right. So anyway, um, uh, I'll just go ahead and share this with you. You know, so so Tracy goes on and she says, you know, I wish you could hear my giggle. It's really not that important. I look forward to the prayer vigil. And I said, oh, come on. I'll tell you what. I'll trade you this hilarious, super funny video uh, if you'll tell me what it, it was. And there was this particular video of this dog fighting with a cat and running around like a crazy dog. And this guy was like overlaying, you know, freak me out language like the dog was saying and it was just so funny and i sent it to her as kind of like a that you know uh, you know here's my here's my gift to you if you'll tell me because i wanted to know and she goes she says okay you drive a hard bargain she says the snake venom believers like talking to sandbags um you know because i said it's like talking to a wet sandbag that is a quip it's not intended to hurt anybody's feelings and yes i buy a lot of that baloney too until i figure it out but but quip is intended to make you laugh at yourself and reevaluate based upon what I add to the quip whether or not it's actually true because we're being surrounded by a bunch of unfortunately falsehoods and misunderstandings that are coming from people that have good intentions but they're wrong i mean i don't know how else to put it they're wrong Okay, and so anyway, and she she says she's laughing. She's she says I'm raising my hand, which I'm raising my hand too. And she says, um, I mean, where do you come up with this stuff? You make me roll on the ground laughing, all the while re revealing how absurd you believe my thought process is. It's like a gift, she says. And I explained to her, I said, oh, well, you wouldn't believe the crazy stuff that people are saying out there. Supposedly, people uh, who have doctorates uh, are in front of their name are saying things like six million people are going to die by last July. Well, that didn't happen. Um, uh, I'm like, what planet are you from? And then, I, and I, you know, again, that's a quip. And then, um, and then I said, and even blankety blank from such and such news was pushing the whole snake venom thing. And I'm like, dude, you need to get a second job. That's a quip, a quip. I'm not, it's not, in t it's not meant to hurt anybody. So if, if I have inadvertently hurt your feelings, send me an email to jbaptist777 at gmail.com and I will personally apologize. These are quips. I am raising my hand. We're all in this together and I am trying to make you laugh while you're rethinking the stuff that you're believing just because it happened to show up on Blankety Blank's website. You see what I'm saying? I have to rethink these things all the time myself. So, again, I rewarded her with another really funny doggy video. This girl is trying to pull the dog off of this, I don't know, it looked like a cleaning thing where the dog was standing. And it was like one of those huskies at bay. You know, they make baying sounds. You know, and they talk, it's like they're talking. It's really fascinating, these huskies. Well, she was, she, every time she would pull, he didn't want to get down off the thing. And she would pull on his collar and he would go, like a like a scared uh 15 year old girl you know watching like uh you know some bad halloween movie or whatever and um and, and, and she'd just tug on his collar real lightly and he'd go ah and then she'd do it again ah 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 she'd tug on it like in rhythm ah 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 and the dog would keep on making these funny i was hilarious so i gave her that as and then she you know so i i thanked her with two hilarious animal videos because you know what we don't really have that much to laugh about nowadays. Those animal animal videos are incredible. And if you haven't seen the one with the uh, – go on Twitter and search on um, 
Little girl united with donkey she raised from a little girl or something like that. Man, if you see that, oh, my gosh, God is all over that. His fingerprints, it's amazing. I'm thinking about publishing it up on Tribulation Now's website. Praise God. All right, kids, are you ready? we got to move forward. All right. I got to get up early, man. There's, I don't have a choice. I got to do my elliptical stuff in the morning. I can't do it after work. I can't. I'm too beaten to death, and I got the radio show. I'm just too tired. Anyway, so it's got to be in the morning. So dun da dun da da All right, kids, you ready? All right. Hallelujah. And like it says in Psalm 126.2, that our mouths were filled with laughter uh, and, our, and, and our tongues with singing. And they said amongst the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Can we do it while all the bad things are happening across the earth? Well, we should be, shouldn't we? Hallelujah. Do we have joy? I was jumping for joy. Joy was hanging from the chandelier. Okay, kids, are you ready? Does February like March? No, but April, May. <laughs> right, kids? April. Come on. Oh, goody. Oh, goody. We'll just go ahead and mark that one as check off the list. All right, kids, you ready? Kids, who tells the best egg jokes? Who tells the best egg jokes? Comedy hens. Comedy hens. They're a special type of comedian. Come on, kids. Don't. Okay. I thought you were holding back on me there. Spanky, what was on that note? Did you try to jip me out of a cheer? All right. We only got time for two. We got to move on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We want to get through this news. Uh, And there's a lot of it. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So I did get through the quit thing. I just wanted to let you know these are never intended, never intended to hurt anybody's feelings. They are meant to make you rethink what you're thinking. Because if I have to do it, so do you. We're all in this mess together, and boy, have we ever seen, well, come on, look around you. All right, praise God. So if you search on uh, Donkey Reunited with Girl Who Raised It, that's the actual string text, on Twitter, Donkey Reunited with Girl Who Raised It. If you search on Twitter and you watch that video, you're going to cry. You won't believe it. It is absolutely amazing. Then uh, in the tongue-in-cheek section of the show, I want to uh, share with you that Al Jazeera News, which is part, obviously, part of the World Economic Forum and the Klaus Schwab Nazism and the rising of the Fourth Reich that we see happening across the world and in our country, indeed, um, is uh, is, uh, Al Jazeera uh, puts out a headline, and the headline is, Greece, media freedom is under assault. You want to hear something funny? I click on the link, and it takes me to Al Jazeera's website, and it says, page not found. (laughs) Media freedom under assault. Get it? Get it, kids? Media freedom under assault. And then I go to it, and it's like, page not found. (laughs) That's the kind of irony that we live in. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Another headline. Listen to this from Russia Today. Praise God. Here we go. Iran won't abandon quest for Soleimani vengeance, according to their commander. So they're still holding this Donald Trump thing uh, in uh, their in escrow. They're holding it in escrow, which means that they're basically going to drop some big old bad attack or false flag on us or whatever the case is. Now, I find this interesting because on the same website has Donald Trump being quoted. And in public, Donald said that if he was reelected or whatever, he would stop, or, or if he was still in office, I'm not sure which one it was, 
that he would stop Putin from using the N-word, referring to the Nazi word. And I am like, not surprised, because I'm reversing my opinion on Trump. I don't know where I'm putting him exactly. I can tell you that when it comes to the lesser of two evils, that's not even a choice. However, there are way too many. He, he created more uh, respirators than any other president. He brought the most deadly vaccine in the world uh, at warp speed, Operation Warp Speed, to kill as many people. Was he in on it? How come he never looked into the $3.5 million that was given to the Wuhan lab by Fauci and Obama? He said he would. He didn't. All right. What about this? I would stop Putin from using the Nazi word. Excuse me. There's more Nazis located in the Ukraine, real ones, than there is anywhere in the entire world. And then you see this article out on the uh, uh, on the Internet coming from the lying mainstream media saying that they're opening up a humanitarian corridor in Mariupol so the civilians can have a chance to escape. Escape what? The slaughter from the Azov Battalion of the Ukrainian Armed Forces? Because that's who's killing people, not the Russians. As a matter of fact, no one is going to use, in Mariupol, there won't be one person, except unless it's a total setup, that's even going to use any kind of humanitarian corridor, because they are Russian-speaking Ukrainians. And they've been getting slaughtered, men, women, and children. I've seen the photographs of the dead babies. These are being killed by the Nazis over there. But we're all sitting there going, (laughs) look what Hannity's saying. Look what Trump is saying. No wonder the remnant is a remnant. All right. Next headline up. Hallelujah. World Net Daily reports. New deadly drug 100 times stronger than fentanyl. Did you hear that? Fentanyl hits the streets. And the little headline says, deadly synthetic opioid found in Florida. No, no, not in my state called isotonatazin, or ISO for short, 20 to 100 times stronger than fentanyl. I believe if you even look at one of the drug dealers peddling it, you drop over dead. I don't know. But anyway. And then, of course, another headline right after that says, flow of fentanyl into American communities quadruples under Biden. Oh, my gosh. Right? All right, praise God. And then another headline. So we had fun with the donkeys. We had fun with the quips and the jokes and the things, you know, because I don't have time to decipher and unravel every mistruth that is being promulgated across the Internet. And that would be a six-hour show every single night. Okay, and like I said, I raise my hand. All right, I'm all, we're all in this together. But here's another one. Britons are being told by their government that they are going to have a truly horrific winter. Why is that? Because of the ineffective uh, 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 Russian sanctions. The entities, the entities, the tears that it's instituted the Russian sanctions, okay, know exactly what they're doing. They're tearing down and causing hyperinflation. They're bringing us into the realization of the third seal. These things are in the Holy Bible, and they know doggone well what they're doing. Padre Pio and his vision in 1950 and 51 saw that during the three days of darkness, which is in the sixth seal, the, the sun turns dark as black as, as sackcloth, as black as sackcloth of hair. That's the three days of darkness. He saw during that it was incredibly cold. It was one of the coldest nights on record. These things are starting to happen now. Oh, man. 
Oh, folks, we got to buck up and get ready. Ceremony Vision. Also, same thing, supports it. Absolutely freezing, utterly freezing cold. People dying in their houses because of how cold it is. Why? Because of sanctions that are working zero. Doing it on purpose. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Macron. Schultz warned Europe may face consequences of the gas embargo from Russia because there's no way they're going to use rubles. Well, okay, fine. But Austria is like, forget it. We're not going to freeze to death. You guys enjoy yourself, man. You know, well, we'll, we'll call the 911 and have them check on you once in a while. And when they see a blob of frozen ice in your living room, well, then they'll come in and help you out. But, um, you know, it's, it's like Austria is like, forget about it. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and use rubles. So they're not all united. Praise God. All right. Another headline up. Biden says expect real food shortages due to the Ukraine war. By the way, this is being announced on Bloomberg News. That says a lot in and of itself. And then, of course, uh, published by uh, uh, Michael Schneider on the the Global Economic Collapse uh, website that he has up, uh, fires in food plants. Are these coincidences? March 17th, Nestle's food plant extensively damaged by fires. March 19th, Walmart Food Distribution Center in Plainfield, Indiana, extensively. These are all major fires that wiped out the plant. March 24th, major fire in uh, McCrum uh, Potato Plant uh, in Maine. March 29th, Maricopa food plant burns down. 50,000 pounds of food destroyed. March 31st, Rio fresh onion factory damaged by fire in San Juan, Texas. Uh, April 13th, fire destroys East Conway beef and pork meat market in Conway, New Hampshire. April 13th, plane crashes into Idaho uh, potato and food processing plant. Uh, April, it just keeps on going on. April 14th, another major one. These are all different places, too. Just keeps on going. It's like 16 of them. Next one up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Parts of the world are heading toward an insect apocalypse, this particular report says. Now, this one isn't like, you know, all the locusts and stuff that were flying all over the Middle East and all the weird bug situations that we've been reporting for the last 10 years on this program. Okay, this is different. This is that the world's ecosystem is changing for obvious reasons, Planet X. And, of course, they blame it on global warming. And, you know, that's to put tax burdens on us and force us into it's, – it's really just to cause order out of chaos. It's the Hegelian dialectic, a dialectic being dumped on us. It's Orwellian 1984. It's a reality. It's happening around us. And those, and and they're counting on. They're doing it slow enough so that because they're counting on the majority of the Christians, they don't want the Christians in the United States of America waking up. They don't want it. They want them to be clueless because Satan doesn't want to deal with the power of the prayer. If we were to wake up as a country, but we're not awake. Few of us are. The people in the other countries, on the other hand, are infinitely more awake. I know because I travel internationally and I have conversations and they're like, hey, you really know this and you're from America? They're like blown away. They're, they're like, I thought you were slugging down gallons of fluoride in your water or something. But anyway, um, yeah, so three quarters of crops depend on insect pollinators, says David Golson, a professor of biology at the University of Sussex in the United Kingdom. Uh, and it goes, crops will begin to fail. Well, and so it's not just about bumblebees. It's about a whole plethora of various insect species that are dying off. Which, by the way, leads to the things that Jesus warned us about in the Olivet Discourse, which are already happening. So it's a combination of hyperproduction. Here's this, World Net Daily, next headline. Hyperproduction inflation surpasses 30% in Germany. 
That's, by the way, they're saying that it has to do, you know, it's all the way, it is as bad as Second World War level, which the Weimar Republic, which was under hyperinflation, is what started, which, which was what motivated the people of Germany to jump behind the insane entities that, you know, took power and did the false flags to Kristallnacht and all that kind of stuff. And then, I mean, uh, it's, just, oh, it's, it's never ending. Next one up, hallelujah. China seeks to move in after Shell's exit from Russia. No, you say. Yes, I say. One more punch in the eye. Hallelujah. Thank you. Everybody in the world is calling uh, Biden grandfather. Uh, there's like all over Twitter, there's just dozens of these. He does a speech under the influence of Ritalin, of course, because the, uh, the uh, Secret Service agents that are calling in to radio shows and letting us know what's really going on. And then he turns around and it's like, you know, total dementia fog and then shakes hands with the air while he's staring at some wall with fake flags on it. Or what? It's just so it. it uh, Spleen, shrimp fork. Spleen, shrimp fork. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. All right, hallelujah. Next one. Russia unveils plans for digital ruble, domestic payment system. So they're going to bypass SWIFT because they know that they have a huge demand for their stuff because there are some countries that, well, they simply just don't want the rest of their population to freeze to death. And then there are other countries. <laughs> which are much more strongly controlled by the World Economic Forum, and they don't give a dag nabbit. All right, well, whatever. All right, next headline up. Hallelujah, here we go. Russia's Sarmat ICBM could be deployed with several avant-garde hypersonic glide missiles. Those are what's called um, a multiple uh, uh, independent re-entry vehicles, or MIRVs, which are included on virtually all intercontinental ballistic missiles and submarine-launched nuclear missiles, which, by the way, from the point of pressing the button from a submarine, you have seven minutes to react. Consider Biden shaking the hands with the wind. Okay? Forget it, man. Revelation 18 will become a reality so quickly that, you know, and whoever survives, I feel sorry for him. Um, and I know that we'll be, I believe with all of my heart, you know, that um, providing that you're not cast into the great tribulation, Revelation 2.22, uh, you know, which would make you a tribulation saint. Uh, but if you are cast into the Great Tribulation and you do survive uh, the wiping out of Babylon the Great, the United States of America, thank you, Henry Groover, Dimitri Dudeman, and A.A. Allen, hallelujah, we know. But get this. How about a multiple independent reentry vehicle that is nuclear but also hypersonic? Whoa. That means you can't shoot them down. So even if even if Biden you know had some guy from the chief of you know, joint chiefs of staff you know jacked up on fifty pots of coffee standing there at the ready and he's got seven minutes to do it even if he pressed the strategic you know response you know anti missile systems it wouldn't matter you can't hit the hypersonic multiple independent reentry vehicles okay. International Monetary Fund warns of civil unrest amidst the global food crisis. And by the way, the the global the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund, okay, are run from these entities, the Global Satanic Crime Syndicate. And I am here to tell you, they are totally in bed with the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, the chief Nazi, and the rise of the Fourth Reich, which is all happening right now. Okay, it's all happening before our eyes, but people are missing it, and that's we can keep on trying. But just remember, prayer. Don't be discouraged, and always praise God no matter what. But 
Never say anything discouraging because you cancel out your prayer and you limit God. Psalm 78, 41. And again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Don't limit God. Just praise. Praise, 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 praise. Thank you, Jesus, for honoring Mark eleven twenty three. Thank you, Jesus, for honoring John fourteen twelve thirteen and 14. Thank you, Jesus, that you will answer my prayer. Discourage. Pray and then pray a whole lot more. Glory be to God. Next headline up. Participants of Moderna's mRNA booster shot clinical trials keep on dying, according to this report. And it just has, it's just, it's a 53-page report that they pulled down, and they've got lists and lists and lists of people that are dropping like flies. Again, that's why Bruce Willis cannot any longer remember scripts. He's, he's a side effect in the VAERS database. Next one up. Italy creates new social credit app to reward citizens for virtuous behavior. Hey, you believe the narrative. You don't look at any pictures. Uh, you don't question anything that's being said. You're just wearing 50 masks. You've got them strapped over one another. And um, you're just, you know, you're, you're okay with it all. You're on your fifth booster shot. You're feeling pretty terrible. You now have kidney disease, leukemia, and Parkinson's, but that's okay. You have a high social credit score. Hallelujah. Another headline. And uh, to Paige, we're going to be bringing you on in a split second, just, uh, just a couple more. Wuhan Lab allowed to destroy secret files under its partnership with the United States National Lab. How about that? And I could go into the Galveston National Laboratory, the United States National Laboratory, and they, they've done some really good homework. This is from a website, by the way, called Great Game Indie, I believe it is. And um, these guys do a really good job. I have not yet found one thing that I've been able to disprove that they have claimed is true. I haven't been able to find a flaw. And they go pretty far out on a limb, too. All right, next one up. Hallelujah. Putin's, Putin's Parkinson's disease rumors or whatever. Some people say he has cancer. Some people say he has Parkinson's disease. He's holding onto the table. He's tapping his foot during interviews. He's not looking very well, that kind of thing. Uh, my friend Tatiana, who has, uh, uh, you know, her mother living in Odessa, says that that's a bunch of baloney, boulder dash or whatever. Uh, you know what? I, I, there sure is a lot of chatter about it. I, I don't know. Um, but you know, he's pretty, he's getting up there in age. I think he's approaching 80 now or, you know what I mean? And so, um, anyway, just wanted to bring that to you, you know, whether you feel led to pray for him, uh, or not, um, you know, sometimes we pray for the lesser of two evils and boy, in this world, that's really a dorked up problem, isn't it? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Mariupol is liberated. Some Ukrainian radicals remain besieged in the Azovstal plant. Shogu tells Putin, or, you know, tells Putin. Shogu is the Ministry of Defense leader for the Russian Armed Forces and la, la, la. And basically Putin said, look, you know, don't, don't let any more Russian lives be killed. Um, these guys are buried in a, you know, it's, it's an underground military base. It's a, it's, it was built to withstand nuclear, direct nuclear strikes. And they're hiding down there and probably have huge food supplies. So that's probably going to drag on. But they've got, you know, nobody's going to leave out. No one's leaving Mariupol. If you are watching the right stuff, if you are paying attention to the Telegram channels, you will see Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Mariupol residents running after the Russian armed forces tanks, handing them flowers. It looks like the liberation of France at the end of World War II. It's amazing. 
Here, they're even saying Russian airplanes uh, are to fly without American GPS due to the increased jamming that they're doing. They're trying to kill people. But, <laughs> no, if you know the whole story, folks, the slaughters, the missiles, the, it's all false flags. But, you know, let's all watch Hannity. How about it? All right, next one up. Humans may be all over the universe, says scientist. And I'm like, yeah, but they're not from the endemic bloodline, I wouldn't think. Uh, but, you know, well, I'm not, like, maybe the jury's out on that one. How long do you think of Jesus? I keep, always keep an open mind because everything that's in the Bible is true. But not everything that's true is in the Bible. We know that because the Holy Bible mentions 22 books in the Bible, and it also explicitly mentions the Book of Jubilees, which is labeled as Apocrypha. Ding, ding, ding. Wake up call for everybody. Yellow vests gather for anti-government protests ahead of the French presidential election. I'll just let you – I'll just give you the punchline, folks. Macron made it. Uh, Le Pen was voted out. But, boy, talk about <clears throat> picking the worst uh, – you know, the, two, it's lesser of two evils. And I'm like, how is Macron and his Illuminati affiliations with the World Economic Forum uh, you know, the lesser of two evils? And then they're, they're fighting over the mask mandates. You know, Biden comes out. And I, I, it's just absolute total. It's enough to just, you know, and there's, there's other headlines, too. But you know what? I'm not going to keep uh, Sister Page waiting any longer uh, because, you know what? We could talk about the insanity that's going on around the world, and, uh, and there's no end to it. Uh, there's no end to it. And so we'll just keep on trudging along and waiting for that barley harvest, that first fruits harvest, hallelujah, and pray that we are found worthy to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand before the Son of Man. Praise Jesus. All right, and on that note, let's go ahead and bring on Sister Paige. This is going to be awesome. Hallelujah. Here we go. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Sister Paige, are you there? I am here. Hello, Johnny. How are you? Doing good. Hey, I, you know, um, my work situation, I work a full-time job, you know, and some long hours and everything, and plus do the radio shows. So Sister Nancy helps me out with the guests. God bless her. And she's like dealing with like a quarry truck of problems. So anyway, uh, I just wanted to apologize, uh, but I'll let you know now, uh, the way that we typically work here is kind of like an electronic ecclesia in the sense that um, we treat it like a church. Um, we, 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 you know, we have listeners from all over the world. In some cases, like in the Philippines, they have, you know, pe- I've gotten letters, electronic letters, emails from people in the Philippines where they have like 300 people gathering and, you know, in one room listening at a internet cafe, things like that happen in Africa, different places. Praise God for that. But anyway, um, I will grab my virtual folding chair now, just like if you're in a church and I'm going to fold it, which is virtual. So hold on a second. Let me fold it right now. Okay, there we go. You got you to gotta do that radio of the mind thing. Okay, and then uh, now I'm walking back to the back side of the stage, and I'm unfolding it, and I'm sitting down, and now you're taking the mic, and you're going to tell this awesome testimony. And by the way, if you want to go past 930, you got an hour and a half pretty much, almost, minus 10 minutes. Uh, 930 Eastern time is when we normally knock the program off. But if you feel led that you've told all you, all you feel led to show, 
or share, okay, then you can stop whenever you feel led. Don't feel pressured to fill up till 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. And if you feel led by the Holy Spirit to go on beyond the 9.30 mark, no problem. Go ahead. That's what we call overtime. It will be recorded on the podcast. So anyway, I'm going to step back and just say thank you for joining the show. Uh, You're welcome to open with a prayer, and I'm going to get out of your hair. Praise Jesus. Thank you for joining us. God bless you. Amen. Wow, thank you um, so much, and thank you for that uh, open uh, ecclesia. I I love that. Uh, This is church. We come together in a virtual church. I really like that analogy, and uh, I appreciate you inviting me on the show, and I appreciate this opportunity to share this wonderful testimony uh, I'm so humbled that the Lord has given me a platform in any way uh, to share this message and to share what happened. It was actually many years ago. I don't know if you know that or not, but the actual experience happened in 2002. It was about a week and a half. And the 700 Club interviewed me in 2012. As a matter of fact, the testimony aired the day after Hurricane Sandy. There's so much to the story, uh, but I will, I'm just going to share in segments. When I did the 700 Club interview, the producer called me, I don't know, about a week or so after she got home, and she said, I, I need you to pray for me, she said, because I, um, I don't know how to package this. I really need the Holy Spirit to lead this. And Johnny, she she wound up making it more about a near-death experience, which it it was, and that was the kind of the first half. But it went on for the the, the full week, a little more than that, I would say a week and a half. And and there was just a whole lot more to this what I call a visitation. So if we could, we'll just open in prayer and uh, just pray that God will lead this story the way that he wants and that our conversation will glorify him. Oh, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for those who are tuned in and those who will listen subsequently to this broadcast, this recording podcast. I pray, Lord, that you would open their hearts to receive your truth. This is your story. I've got to be your vessel. And I just pray, Lord, that all of these words would glorify you, glorify your kingdom, and that your saints, your children, would come to a greater understanding of your majesty, your wonder, your grace, your mercy, that which you showed me. I pray that you could illuminate just a portion of that tonight so that they can see what I saw, even though it's virtual. I pray that you would enlighten them in your special way. Bless Nancy. and She's dealing with uh, so much at this time, Johnny, as Johnny shared. And uh, I just pray, Lord, for this radio family. We love you. I know I speak for all of us. I've heard Johnny's heart for you and his just beautiful prayers that he's offered up in the past. I love that, and I just thank you for this union tonight. We love you, and uh, we just give you all praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Praise Donnie, God. if you want to ask any questions, feel free because I know that, um, you know, I, I know that there are probably going to be a lot of them. But I, I guess I could start with the kind of the backstory and share how this visitation slash near death experience came about. I had a very troubling, abusive, like many people, uh, traumatic childhood, and no one knew what I was dealing with behind the scenes. Outwardly, you would have thought that, you know, I had this kind of picture-perfect life, uh, but I didn't. My mother had struggled throughout the years raising me as a single parent, she was married six times. She really thought that she was doing the, the right thing for us, and each one would fail. There were several abusers along the way, but the, the one, the major crescendo that the enemy had been, I believe, grooming me toward uh, was my fifth stepfather. And she thought he was her soulmate, and uh, we moved to a different town, and Within uh, a year or so, a, a dramatic shift occurred, and there was a um, path made. I was, I don't know, 10 years old or so, and that path evolved in, um, you know, a full uh, relationship with my stepfather, a sexual relationship where I was like a mistress in our home. Uh, and I, you know, there were times when I had thought about telling, I did tell him that I would uh, tell my mother, and he said, I will kill her, so you have to live with it, and that was the last time I said anything. Uh, I had a counselor ask me one time, you know, why didn't you tell, and the question kind of stumped me, and she said it was because you were groomed, and at the time, I didn't know what grooming was, you know, but the enemy grooms us. The Lord would later show me how and why that evolved in the way that it did. So I wound up, after graduating high school, getting out of that situation, but I went into a physically abusive relationship. And then when I finally got out of that one, I got married, I had my daughter, and then eventually remarried. And this gentleman introduced me to drugs. I was kind of naive in that area. Um, not been a partier or a drinker or any of that. Um, and we started doing drugs casually together on the weekends, partying. And uh, my daughter would be with her dad. So that evolved, and I got addicted to the substance that, that we were taking. I started hearing voices, and uh, I didn't know that the voices – in, in the beginning, you know, I thought it was from the drug use. So even though I tapered down from that, I still wasn't completely off of it. The voices got louder and louder. And I, I heard clearly uh, statements that were not synchronized with my thoughts. So even in the times when I was the most cognizant and, and not using per se, these voices were still obnoxious and telling me to do things that I would never do. 
that evolved into almost like a scream. And it was so, um, they were so pushy and loud and uh, insistent that I do what I was being told. So I understood at that point how people, you know, on the stand confessing the same, you know, hey, I heard voices or, you know, something told me to go kill those people. I understand what those people may have been going through. Thankfully, I didn't act on it because I would never hurt anyone, um, but I had to fight that off. And at the time, I didn't know the power of God. You know, I didn't, I didn't understand the power of that confession and, and uh, turning about faith. I had been churched. I was raised in a Lutheran church, and then, you know, the, the abuser that I was speaking of, he was a deacon in the church. He was in the choir. Everyone loved and respected him. So I, I still didn't understand how God could allow this evil to happen. I had that problem of evil thing in my mind. And I had tried going back to church. I tried to, to eradicate the voices by going back to church. But I, I was in a Baptist church where I just heard, you know, the message of salvation on Sunday. And I knew what a rotten, horrible sinner I was at the time. But I, I just did not understand that there's this great spiritual warfare going on around me and that I had the power in Christ to eliminate that which was screaming at me on a daily basis at that time. And I, I didn't know how to completely get off the, the drugs. It was just this battle. It was a battle. So I was awakened one night. It was about 2, 3 a.m., middle of the night. And I heard the most angelic, precious voice. It sounded like my future mother-in-law, the guy that I was dating <clears throat> that had introduced me to drugs, sounded like his mother. Precious voice. I loved her voice. I said, wow, I, I recognize that voice. And so I'm awakened, and, and I hear Paige, Paige, wake up. Wake up, honey. Wake up. So my eyes open, and, and all of a sudden, <clears throat> I hear the voices she said to me, the voices that you have been hearing are from Satan. And his goal was to get you to kill your family and then kill yourself. And I had a, a reverence, an awe. It was a fear, but it was a reverent fear. It wasn't a, a fear like I was afraid that someone's going to take my life or anything. It was just like the fear of God suddenly became real to me. And I didn't have control at that point over um, being able to, to stop and think about other things. It's just this, this tape just kept rolling. This voice kept talking to me. And from that moment on, this journey, this week and a half journey began. I was so grateful. I felt like this is an angel or it's God or the Holy Spirit. I know this is heavenly. Didn't know exactly who or what it was. I couldn't tell you at that point. But then it became clear as the voice evolved from an audible voice to a communication via thought. 
I would think a thought, and then the answer would come with another thought. But this was not a female voice. It wasn't a male voice. It wasn't an audible voice. It was just thinking back and forth. And I was told at that point that there were some things that to I needed to see that God was going to show me what I needed to know. And I thought I, at that point, I was like, okay, I'm either dead, I'm out of my body, I don't know, I was still in the bed, but was I really? You know, it, nothing at that point was real to me other than this experience that I was having. But it didn't even matter because I just wanted to be closer and closer to this comfort. This was the, the most comfort that I'd had. I just, I just wanted to draw into what this was. But then the scene shifted, and I was in a, it was like a holding cell. I transitioned into a, a very dark place and realized that what I was being shown was not what I wanted to see. <clears throat> I was in a, I would say, dank, dark, cold cell. My hands weren't cuffed, but I was on a floor. It was very small. And I could hear moans and cries. And I could, I, it was like a transitionary place. I knew that there was another place that I was going to go or could go. I felt like I was being drawn to this place. And suddenly, I started seeing visions. This is the point that the 700 Club did talk about visions, but this experience was not a vision. They said it was a vision, but this part was in particular, and there were visions during this experience, but not the entire thing. It was as real as us talking here now, but this part in particular, I did see visions. I started seeing my life flash before me, and the scenes that I saw were really moments I was embarrassed of. Uh, I spoke of the, the drug use. I, I saw the scenes, the party scenes that I'd participated in. Uh, I saw the sin that I had willingly participated in. I saw the times where I had an opportunity to turn away and I didn't. Uh, moments of testing that I could have basically passed and you know, had temptations where I was shown the way out and I didn't take it. And I remember thinking, well, why, why me? Why are you showing me all this? Why is it so bad? Have I, haven't I done anything good in my life? And the visions kicked. They just kept on. And they really went back to, I would say, the point at which I became accountable for sin. I don't know what age that was. But I saw, you know, the younger years, but I wouldn't say it went, I don't think it went back beyond, say, 14, 15-ish. I couldn't remember anything as a child. I didn't see anything as a child. But as I really became accountable for my actions, that's what I saw. I saw my parents' lives, uh, their sin, and how 
their sin and ancestral sin had opened the door for the demonic realm to control my family and subsequently my life. A lot of bad, bad, bad stuff, things that I didn't know about my family, I saw. Things about my, uh, what would be the man that I would marry, about his family, about his life. At the time, I had uh, been given an opportunity to, uh, at, the, at the time, pose in a magazine called Playboy. And I was, I was going to do it. You know, the money was great. I was going to do it. And I was shown the real story behind that and warned uh, not to do it. And I was shown the life that that would have led to had I made that choice. Uh, I saw the choices that I had made. And if God didn't intervene in my life, had I died at that time, what would have happened? So as he showed me all of this bad, horrific stuff, I started hearing cries and moans greater. You know, when we're told that there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, that's real. It's a, it's a terror that is unexplainable. The good was so great I can't put it into words, and the bad was so bad it's hard to put it into words. It, to, to capture that in our English vocabulary. <clears throat> so after all of the, the sin, all of the generational stuff I was shown, I was trying to cry out. And I couldn't cry. I couldn't, have, I, I couldn't get the tears out, but I could scream. And, and I was pleading with God, please give me another chance. Just please give me another chance. But it... It was like I was dead, and I knew I was dead. There was no life there. There was no oxygen. The closest thing that I can describe it to would be, if you've ever seen the movie The Matrix, and how you know they were taken, taken out of their reality and into another dimension. That's what it was similar to. Um, my breathing became labored. I, I would, there was a smell like sulfur, uh, formaldehyde type smell, no sense of anything but death and decay in this place. I remember my skin feeling shriveled and pruned. There was a, a darkness, but I could see. All of the opportunities that I had that I had squandered were just replaying over and over and over. I knew what eternity was, and I knew at that moment that I was going to be there for eternity. It was a, a clear revelation to me. I'm never getting out of this place. I heard screams in the distance. I had a, a, a like this moaning, this painful moaning inside. And then I was moved from that cell, and I went back into the house that I was in that, you know, during that visitation. The guy that I was living with that I would eventually marry, he was not there. He was gone for a three-day trip and he was working. 
and out of town, off through the house, and I think, okay, I'm, I'm out, but I wasn't out. I was just trapped in that, what I came to know as my hell. And I don't know if you've ever heard the statement, hell is what you make it. But that became my hell, so to speak. So I went from the holding cell where I saw all these visions and then then actually physically into the house. And the house, even though I was walking around in reality, it was dark and it was dank and it had the same feel of that holding cell. So I walked from room to room and I could see, you know, my daughter, she was three years old. She wasn't there at the time, but I could see pictures. I could hear sounds, and I, I thought, wow, this is, I, I'm, I'm hearing her cry. I'm hearing people cry at this point. And I, I realized that I'm listening to my funeral, and I'm trying to process all of these things that are happening at one time. I'm saying, I don't want to die. I don't, please just get me out of here, Lord. Just give me one more chance. But I was seeing then visions of my family crying because I died so early. My daughter missing a mother, you know, and I'm just thinking, how, how can I, how can I get out of here? And I start walking around the house and, and the, the realization of being there forever was all I could think about. And so I lay down on the couch and, and I'm just feeling hollow, decayed, empty and, and all of the visions of what I had just been shown were just being replayed over and over. And I closed my eyes and I'm just begging God for another chance. And all of a sudden I opened my eyes and there were two men standing over me. Oh, let me back up. I want to tell you this too. I feel it's important. There were demons in my hell, and one of them was my, who I can follow me here, but the man that I would marry, that I was living with at the time, he wasn't there, but in this hell, he was one of the demons. Sitting on the couch, this is before, before I went and laid down, he was sitting on the couch, and every time I would walk over to him, he would stand up and he would start walking in circles crying, why did you leave us? Why did you leave us so soon? Why did you leave us? And I would try to talk to him and, and every time I would talk to him, he would just do the same thing over and over and he looked decayed and, and like just full of death. Um, I would back up and I would start to approach him again. And then I realized, okay, I I don't know who he is or what he is, but he's, this is like a demon. I, I, I cannot go over here anymore. So I went over to the television, and I tried to, to turn the television on. The television turned on, and I could only flip to two channels. One was preaching, and I, I, don't rec- I, I didn't recognize the evangelist that was sharing the gospel on the television, but all I could hear was the message of the gospel over and over again. I turned to another channel, and the other channel was preaching. But it was, it, it was a different message. It was like just the, the message of hope and the message of encouragement. It was one channel or the other. So I turned it off because I knew I had missed it. I go to the door, 
and try to open the door. And as soon as I open the door, I see this beautiful picture outside because we lived across the street from the lake and I could see the water, but I couldn't go out. I was shocked as soon as I started to exit the house. I was, it was like a, a, an electric barrier. I could not walk to the other side of it until I closed the door. And after making those rounds a couple times, that's when I laid down on the couch. I don't know how long I was there. I don't know what the time frame was. I laid down on the couch, and then as I'm crying, as I'm, you know, begging the Lord for another chance, I open my eyes, and there are two men standing over me. That was the guy that um, that I was living with at the time and a friend. He was back from his trip. And his friend was with him, and he was trying to get me to come out of it. He said, "He said, what's going on with you? What's going on with you? You know, we are having this episode. And the whole time, they had evidently been there. Now, I know this is crazy. It sounds crazy, but they were there, but I never saw them. It's like I was in a whole other dimension, a whole other reality, but it was real. And I was trying to tell them, I just, I went to hell. I went to hell. And, and he said, Paige, something's really wrong with you. And I started asking him, when did you get home? He said, he said, I've been gone for three days. So over the course of this time, three days had transpired, but I didn't know exactly how long I had been there. Um, and when it really even started at that point, everything was running together. So... He said, I'm going to call your mother. It's like something's really going on here. Well, the next thing I know, they're gone. And I go back into this place. And keep in mind, other than coming in and out like that, this, it just continued day after day after day. My mother eventually did arrive, and she all of them got together and took me to uh, our local mental hospital. And uh, she said, John, I don't know what's going on with you, but this has got to stop. And I said, I'm having a, a, an experience with God. I went to hell. I, I saw what would have happened had I died at this time. Also, I go in and I see the psychiatrist, and, and the psychiatrist winds up releasing me and said, you know, she's having some type of divine experience. And I wound up kind of witnessing to him. And so they let me go home. So I get back to the house, and the Lord had me sit down at that time and confess to my mother the abuse that had occurred as a child. He said, this confession will heal. I begged him not to. I said, no, I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to say this. I don't want to tell her. Uh, but I had no control over what I, was, I had to share the truth. She wound up leaving, and it was a lot for her to process. And then the Lord said, I want to, I want to take you in basically to the next part of this that I have to show you. And that's when, with the, the story that you saw in the 700 Club, they made it more about the hell experience. But the second half was a vision of not necessarily heaven. I would, I don't know if I would even say, it was more what Paul saw on the road to Damascus. 
that blinding light, the light you think of, you know, when you think of God creating the universe, uh, that kind of light. So I was back in my bed, and the Lord said that he's going to show me the good, the good now, (laughs) all the good now. Uh, And I wound up seeing how all of these things from my childhood, from my life, really were brought on by the evil generations before. I saw the spiritual warfare that we deal with as Christians. This story began to unfold, this heavenly battle between good and evil. I could have never known this stuff. I was such a green Laodicean, you know, pew sitter at the time. I didn't know any of this. At the time, I didn't even, honestly, you know, I couldn't say that the Bible was really true. I thought it was just a, you know, great book of stories. Boy, was I wrong. When I read Ezekiel's story and and the the visions that he's seen and the things that he was shown, that's what I can compare this to. So at that point, I'm seeing this warfare in the heavenlies, and I'm seeing how all of the evil that's been perpetuated against humanity also trickled down to little people like me and how this evil along the way had groomed me to make the decisions that I made as a young adult. I saw themes from my childhood as if there was a surveillance camera. It was almost like a, you know, in the camera in the corner of the room showing a video of my life. And God began to tell me a story about how I wound up making those really, really bad decisions he showed me before my visit to hell. I want to stop there and share with you that there is a greater and a lesser damnation. We're told that in scripture. I I knew that what I experienced was not what I could have experienced. It was like a um, much lesser package than what was available to many people, depending on uh, you know their their journey. And I've heard near-death experiences before. I've heard a lot of people talk about uh, seeing the lake of fire. I didn't see that. Mine was much different. But the fear of God that I had after that experience leading into then the next, you know, days and, and so forth of what he showed me, I still to this day have that same holy, reverent fear of God. It's like once it's there, it's there. But it's a, it's a, it's an understanding of just how great he is and how blessed and fortunate we are to be in this union with him. So I went from not knowing him on that level to this great introduction. And when I saw after 
He said, I want to show you the, the, the next part, basically. I want to show you the good and the, the visions of my childhood and, and the story of the spiritual warfare and how things interconnect. Then I saw this brilliant light, so beautiful, so huge, that you, you just can't capture it into words. I can, I can say that, you know, like the sun, maybe times a thousand, but white, brilliant, brilliant light. It didn't blind me, but I was drawn up into it. And as I was entering into this light, I felt what I would describe as a liquid love just emulate all through my pores, all through my insides, all I could feel was love. I wanted to be so close to this light, I didn't want to leave. And I could hear, like, I use the word telepathically, but I know you understand what I mean by thoughts. I, I could hear him say, it's not your time. It's not your time. I said, I, I want to stay here. I knew I, had a, <clears throat> I knew I had a family, you know, on earth. I knew I had this um, beautiful daughter. You know, but I just did not want to go back. I didn't want to go back to that life. And he said, but you've got to go back. You've got a story to tell. And that's when he said, I'm going to show you your future. He, he, it became clear that this whole testimony was not just about my, because I still was kind of thinking that, okay, I, I've been really bad, and thankfully he rescued me from that. Uh, but it was more about what was to come in the days ahead. I didn't see the middle. I only saw the crescendo. But how this story was going to be used in the lives of many other people and how the lens through which I was able to view him was so radically different than what the church in the limited capacity that they have teaches. I just saw this giant, miraculous, majestic, loving God that is holy and perfect and demands righteousness from his children. But the love I, it just, I didn't know that he was that great and he was that loving. So once I was told, hey, you've got to go back, you know, you can't stay here. I didn't get to go in and see heaven. I didn't see gates. I didn't see, you know, the other side of that. I, I wish I would have. But I saw enough to know that as soon as we are absent from the body, we are present with the Lord, just like Paul said. And I, I knew when I came back that when that day comes, it's going to be the best day of my life. Now, the one thing that I want to make sure <clears throat> that I share with you outside of that, uh, that experience in and of itself, uh, I know you talk about the rapture, Johnny, and, and you know, the timeline and um, where we are on this prophetic calendar. At the time of this 
experience in 2002, I did not know about the Bride of Christ. Uh, I had not studied scripture, and I didn't know what I was seeing at the time. But at the very end of the, the visitation, I saw a wedding dress. I was dressed in this wedding dress. And whether this actually happened or not, I, I don't know if it was just a vision or, or if this really will happen in our lifetime, you know, in this prophetic timeline. But I'm in this beautiful green meadow, and there's nothing, you can't see anything other than this whisping green, beautiful grass flowing back and forth. I'm in a wedding dress. And I start twirling up into the sky. And it's this, it almost looks like a, like one of the movies, I don't even want to use the word Disney, but you know what I mean, you know, but the the way that the they twirl up into the sky and some of those shows and stuff, that's what it reminded me of, something that was out of a fairy tale, uh, but it was real, and I'm, I'm going up into the sky, and I'm taken up into the clouds. Now, again, at the time, I didn't know about the Bride of Christ, I, didn't, um, I had heard about the rapture and some of the you know, some of the um, revivals I had been in, but the majesty and the, uh, the, the, just the grandeur of that experience is something that I try to convey to people when I, when I share this story with them. Like, you just don't, in our day-to-day lives, in our day-to-day journey, we don't understand how great this other world is, this spiritual world we can live in while we live in the physical realm. And what is available to us? You know, some will be left and some will be taken. How could I have known that back then? You know, how could I have had any clue was never taught that? So the Lord showed me things that I could have really not known, the way that he captured it in uh, to these visions. During the next, I don't know, few days or so before this visitation came to a close, I saw the amount of deception, the... And again, this is so many years ago, but we really see it unfolding now. Um, my people die for lack of knowledge. I saw how people paint this picture of this religious, legalistic, angry, judicial God, um, and that's not who he is. He showed me how we interact in the spirit realm is a in the physical realm is a direct direct reflection of the spiritual realm. Everything in the physical is a reflection of the spiritual and vice versa. How that ties together. So I was placed in all these different scenarios in the days following that moment where I was drawn up into the light. 
And the power of God on me was so strong. My hands would shake. I couldn't hardly talk. It was uh, for people that I was interacting with. I know they thought I was crazy. But I was able to tell them things that I could have never known. Prophetic words, messages, uh, dreams. I would just go up to them and God would give me a picture of their life. Uh, He would give me a word to share with them. And keep in mind, you know, I didn't fully understand what all was happening. I I just knew I had experienced hell and I knew that I was drawn up into this majestic glory of the light, you know, and then from there he starts talking to me and, and giving me messages to give to people. And then I was having subsequent visions of, heaven and hell and spiritual warfare and trying to convey this to anyone that I was interacting with at that point. I was in my own little world. People thought I was crazy. But every message that I gave, every word that he would speak through me to other people, it was true. It would either come to pass or it was something that I couldn't have known. At night, I didn't sleep. It was more of a divine rest. I would lay down in the bed, and he would talk to me throughout the entire night. Uh, I would have a tug on my hand, and in the very beginning, I didn't know what that was, but he would kind of draw me to get me up, and he showed me visions. Um, I remember specifically being concerned about my daughter. Now, she was back home during this time. She already come back home. <clears throat> she was laying in her room, and, and I remember thinking about the children and, you know, how children are so vulnerable to the enemy and they don't know um, a parent, that parents were not teaching them spiritual warfare and much less knowing how to pray for our children and, and really fight in the war on their behalf. And, I remember thinking about my daughter and her future, and the Lord walked with me. That's the way I would put it. He was tugging on my hand, and I would go from room to room. And so I went into her room, and and I remember they came over me. I looked up toward the ceiling, and I saw the Spirit of the Lord descend into her little three-year-old body. And he said to me, I've got her. I've got her. It's going to be okay. I had no idea the trouble that we would go through over, you know, the next 18 years, basically, that I would have to really rely on everything that he showed me during that period of time. I want to share one story that will encourage your listeners to, during that time where the visions and the words and the messages were coming and he was kind of showing me what was going to happen in my future with the anointing. Now that I understand that he's showing me, you know, what the anointing would be as I entered into my kingdom purpose. <clears throat> he asked me, just like he asked Peter, Paige, do you love me? And at the time, you know, I really was just meeting him really for the first time. And I didn't know what to say. I was like, yes, Lord, I love you. I love you. And I saw this applause meter, like in the comedy shows, uh, and you know, how they have an applause meter, and, and they really, really clap. 
you know, hard for the whoever it is, the meter will go all the way to the other side. Well, there was a meter that was indicating my love for God. So when I said, yes, Lord, I love you, the, the needle on that meter just barely popped up, just barely raised, and I knew I was caught. Like I was lying to God. I, I, I want to love you, you know? And so he asked me again, Paige, do you love me? And the second time he asked, I said it louder. And like, if you speak to someone with another, you know, uh, with speech another language and you speak louder, you think they're going to understand you, but they don't. Uh, I said, yes, Lord, I love you more emphatically and louder. Uh, and the, the needle this time barely jumped above where it was before. And my heart just got so heavy. And then he asked me a third time. He didn't say, you know, you're lying or anything like that. He just he asked me a third time. He's waiting for me to just be honest. I said, Lord, I want to love you. And when I said that, that needle slammed all the way to the other side, and I heard, big, 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 big. And at that moment, I knew that he meets us where we are, and he really causes us to fall in love with him. And that was the moment we realized his love for us is not dependent on our love for him. I had always been taught, you know, in, in church, and I, I felt like this horrible sinner, you know, that I was never going to be good enough for him. I was never going to measure up. And it was through that experience, knowing that he loved us so much that he died for us, he showed me in a way that was perfect for me. And he shows each and every one of us in our relationship how he loves us no matter what. And I remember thinking, everyone needs to know this. Everyone needs to know how much he really loves us no matter what. And so as I'm being shown these things, it was a part of the package of the testimony, right, in, in what I would share in the days ahead. That week and a half that started out so what I thought was you know, great in the beginning, and then it got really bad. And he brings me out of that, and he shows me this majestic, wonderful facet of who he is that I could have never seen otherwise. And then he begins really a story. It was almost like a biblical explanation of his love for us, his love for me. And I remember asking him, I said, Lord, why? Why did you come to me? You know, I don't have anything to give you. And I heard that scripture. And Paul says, you know, the Corinthians Ephesians, the foolish to confound the wise. And he shared with me that I would speak with, I would speak to religious leaders in the future. And there would be theological training in the future. And that the journey you know, was going to be 
at that point, I felt very beautiful and great. and It was going to happen right away, but it wound up being many years before the full manifestation would begin to take place. But that people needed to know what showing me that hell was real. It is a it is a place, and even though I it was kind of another dimension for me, um, I didn't you know actually go to the center of the earth per se. Where I went was bad enough. It was it was enough for me to want to, as I said in that interview, shout from the tallest mountain that once you close your eyes. There's no going back. Thankfully, I had another chance, but not everyone gets that. And our brothers and sisters, like I saw the deception. I saw the lies of the enemy and the warfare and how the enemy is is covering the eyes of, of God's people. And they think that they're going to heaven. There's so many people that think that they're going to heaven and they aren't. And And not that I wanted to instill fear, but that holy reverence fear is necessary. It would be 10 years later, I was sitting in a church, and I heard, this was a mega church, and I heard the words God spoke to me. He said, one in 10 are saved at this church in particular. And it just burdened my heart. And so that message from that visitation, you can't, you can share and try to describe it, but it's experiencing what it's like to have that eternal damnation, that moment where you're in eternity and there's no getting out. At least I didn't think there was. What happens when we just sit back and we're just waiting for the rapture, you know, we're just waiting for Christ to come and we're not out like you're doing on your show. You know, you are evangelizing, you are sharing the truth. You're putting everything 110% out there. And giving it your all. Every Christian needs to be doing the exact same thing in their capacity, in in their walk with the Lord. And that's what I saw back then. Now, after that experience was over, it took, I don't know, a good six months or so. And I started to, to go backwards because I expected all those things to happen right away. I didn't know that. You know, it was going to be quite some time before they were fulfilled. And there's been many, many highs and lows, many times where, you know, I just, I, I kind of want to throw in the towel, but he always brings me back. And there's not a day that goes by. As a matter of fact, I just finished. I'm actually editing my book on this visitation. Um, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about that visitation numerous times. And try to just recapture it again, you know. But in that in that journey with him, I learned his timing is not ours. And everything that he has shown us or that he has said to us prophetically, um, biblically, it will happen. And we're living in like what I feel like is one of the greatest times in history the, the prophets of old longed to, to even experience. We're living in that time. So now is the time that we have to emphatically share the gospel. And this platform 
and being able to in any way highlight what happened to me so long ago. Um, I appreciate having the opportunity to do that. Did I lose you, Johnny? No, amen. No, I don't want to interrupt in case you're going to continue. So I'm just going to wait. And, yeah. No, you know, uh, the uh, the thing that you said about, um, you know, you, 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 were, you, you wrapped it in this package of your experience and your and the struggle associated with your inability to be able to share it with as many people as you want to, particularly those that are close to you, because, and you know, and then you you made this comment, you said that you were in your own little world. And um, it's funny too, because uh, we've been doing this program since um, like July of 2011. And before that, I'd put up a website and done about 420 articles that I'd written uh, prior to that from 2009. So we started the program. We started the program because we thought we were leaving. Okay, but of course the Lord, you know, the thing the thing that happens is that it, I had this uh, moment where I had to um, I I realized the magnet the magnitude the the significance of doing this type of work, and it was too much. Um, mm. and I went out. It wasn't too much that you know. It was too much in the sense that the ramifications of doing it wrong were unacceptable because I'm one of those people that if I think I hurt somebody's feelings, I, I can't sleep at night. I'll roll, I'll pitch all night long if I think I even slightly hurt somebody else's feelings. And so I had this moment, I've had many of these types of moments with the Lord, but this one was pretty big. And I remember walking out, I was in the beginning of doing a program, it was back in 2011. And I, I was standing beside my pool. I live in Florida. Everybody has a pool. And I just about, and, um, and I'm standing there, like, looking up into the sky and saying to the Lord, I can't do this. You know, this is too big. You know, if I screw this up, there's a lot at stake. And um, it was like the Lord said to me, and you know, and I know that you can relate to this, because anybody who's ever, who has, who has relatively, I'm trying to think of the right word who has reg, reg, relatively regular communications that are confirmed by, by the Lord to you, knows the difference between the moment that you clearly hear his voice, doesn't have to be audible, and those times when you know that it's him because you're with what you would think. Okay, yeah. You know yourself, you know what you would think, you know what you're already thinking, and then you hear something in your heart, that, and you know it's the Lord because it's so completely out of character. You know, you know, you know, if you're praying about something and, and the thing that you said about love, loving the Lord, I spent two years on my knees periodically, mm-hmm. almost every single day, crying, telling the Lord, I don't love you as much as I need to love you. And yeah. I need you to help me to love you. I need you to help me. I knew the number one most important commandment was to love the Lord our God with all our heart and mind and soul. And I'm thinking to myself, well, wait a minute. If we don't get the number one commandment right, what's the trickle-down effect of that? We're not even getting the number one most important commandment correct, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and mind and soul. And, And I try to use analogies to show people, but I had this conversation with the Lord, and the Lord told me, 
in in his own sort of I don't know for lack of a better term sort of telepathic right into my spirit the my understanding from him at that moment in time because I'm in tears and he knew I meant business because I know that scripture says he who puts his hands to the plow and looks back is unfit for the kingdom of God Jesus said that and I'm I'm kind of freaking out and um, the Lord said to me you're going to have to get rid of everything that you were taught in church you're yes. going to have to completely eradicate every single thing that you have been. And you got to understand, I wasn't, my mom was born and, you know, born up and raised into the Lutheran church. And, I, and yeah, I went to their Sunday school for a few years, you know, by the scruff of my neck. But um, it wasn't until she started to dabble into the occult with a friend and moved a chair across the room by reading uh, grimoires that they got from the, um, you know, incantations that they got from the library. And the chair moved easily, uh, you know, just went slamming across the room in the kitchen floor. And it scared her so bad that she um, uh, grabbed me and two of our foster kids that we had at the time and threw us in the back of the car. It was an old green Buick. And, um, and we went to the most... Holy Spirit filled tongue speaking baptism of the Holy Spirit church in all of the state of Pennsylvania. And I, let me tell you something. It was literally like you were taking the snapshot right out of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and 15. I mean, right to the point of where they would speak in tongues out loud and then a person would prophesy, you know, uh, interpret the tongues, uh, you know, for the for the people in the church. And they would do it exactly three times. They would have dedicated uh, uh, services every single week, bringing down the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I was nine years old. And, and um, I told my mom when they were doing that, all the elders were laying hands and people were going out in the spirit, receiving and speaking the tongues and receiving the baptism. And I, I yelled at my mom. I was like, Mom, I, I, I want that. I was nine years old. I didn't even know what it was. I just got I to have it. I got to have it. And, um, um, and, I, and she's like, go, boy, go. And I'm like pushing myself through, through everybody sitting in the pews. And I'm like, I got to go. Ah, excuse me. Excuse me. And I, and I went running right up into this big crowd of people and, um, and right up to the elders that were laying hands on people. And they just, you know, they, they moved around me they, they you know about three or four of them were laying hands on me and um they're saying mimic our tongues boy mimic our tongues and i started to mimic their tongues and i'm like bam and the holy spirit hits me i go flying back on the ground that was the only time i went out in spirit in my entire life and i was like totally you know speaking in tongues and i was wiped out my mom had to call the school and back then, you know, today they'll send like, you know, HRS and human resources and they'll like try to take you away and put you in jail. But back then, it, you know, it was like in the 70s and um, she called the school and she said, my son is in no condition to come to school. And it was true. I was so body slammed by the presence of the Holy Spirit that I could barely talk. I literally sat in my room clutching my Bible and reading it hungrily like it was like don't don't talk to me don't come near me don't offer me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich I have to read this book and I you know and I just kept on reading and reading it was like an it was like obsessive compulsive disorder and I was at such peace the peace that that the peace that passes all understanding comes come upon your heart and mind through Christ Jesus in first, you know, Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 and stuff. Let me tell you something. There are no words in the Oxford English Dictionary that can come anywhere near that peace. That peace is so – I, I imagine it probably makes – it probably completely renders the concept of, of being given a morphine drip in the hospital – 
irrelevant. It was so amazing, this piece. And, you, and you know, and of course, the Lord, little by little, kind of brought me back to my human senses because I had to go back to school or else kind of thing. But I remember all of it in great detail. And my mom prophesied over me. She actually, she had a, a vivid dream, gave it to some guy in 72. In 72, and she sat me down at 39 Runyon Road, Homelstown, Pennsylvania, 17036. I even remember the phone number. And she sat me down at the age of 10, and she said, Johnny, I had a dream. I gave it to Gerald Durstein. I didn't understand what it meant. I knew it was from God. He came back two weeks later, and he told me what it meant. You're going to be a well-known end times preacher, which I, I tend to shy away from, from titles. I don't like them. And, um, and I, yeah, I, I really, really dislike them. But anyway, she said, you're going to be a well-known end times preacher and you're going to be unmarried. Now you have to understand, you know, after I backslid because I was part of the church, which teaches once saved, always saved. So since I had my Willy Wonka golden ticket to heaven, I could do whatever I want. I could do drugs. I could do whatever I wanted to do. And by golly, I just lived it up because I had my ticket. I was saved. And that's a lie from the devil. And I didn't know that. And it wasn't until I watched my wife. This is one of my wives. But anyway, um, you know, and I, and I always had the heart. You know, I always got married for all the right reasons. It was just always said the wrong person because it wasn't a godly thing. And, and until I saw her try, she, she tried to commit suicide. And when I saw her going out with the EMTs, to the ICU, completely out, on the gurney, being pushed right by me. Of course, you're in a state of shock at that time, so you don't remember all the details. But um, I remember that very, very vividly. And that was the point in time where I literally ran to the Lord. And I was so on fire for getting my life straight after that happened. That, that, you know, it's like one thing leads to another thing leads to another. I, I was originally going to go to a, a Bible college. I signed up for it, got all the stuff together. I was, I was so on fire. I even contacted David Hogan directly. I contacted him down in Mexico, and I said, I want to come down and join you in Mexico. And he wrote me back, and I was blown away. And he said, absolutely. He says, you get on a plane, you come down here. He gave me the address and everything. You join us, and you are welcome. God bless you. And I sat there and bawled like a baby because I realized I'm sitting under a big, giant, fat mortgage that I can't get out from. And I'm married to somebody who's like already – anyway, long story short, God brings you to where you need to be to do whatever it is you need to do. You're never going to be perfect. Never going to be perfect. And, um, but the point is, to your point, I thought you'd get a kick out of this. Over all these years, the last approaching 11 years now doing this program, 4,000 of them, um, we joke around all the time on this program. <laughs> you know, I used to play the song all the time on the show, but then I realized the actual nuts and bolts of copyright law, and it's a miracle from Jesus that I even own a house anymore because they get a totally bigger <laughs> I mean, I would be toast. I'd be homeless if they if they prosecuted me for all the times that I broke copyright. I didn't know I was breaking copyright because you see all these people on YouTube and they're out there putting up their fair use and everything. And well, there is no such thing as fair use for um, what they call uh, music masters. And I was playing Christian music songs on the show all the time. <laughs> 
That's against the law, big time. As a matter of fact, it's a $125 fine for every single person who ever listens to it. So they would go back, pull all the records from Blog Talk Radio, hundreds of thousands of listens, multiply it times $125 per the hundreds of thousands of listens and say, excuse me, is there any chance you own a skyscraper because that's what your fine is? Well... And I had to delete hundreds, well, thousands of radio shows. I had to delete. Now I get to keep them, and I can clean them and use them as best up shows. But when you said you are on your, uh, when you're you're in your own little world, because the Lord told me I had to dump everything, and I and that's when you start learning. When you start learning is when you get rid of everything that you've ever been taught in the church, and you start seeking God on your own. That's when the Bible comes alive. That's when there's no contradictions in the Bible. That's when you realize that the Scripture is not just talking. That's when you realize that the lie that you've been told by the theologians and the pastors that you've had conversations with about the Bible's context being the most important thing is a lie from Satan himself. The context is the least important thing. It is the spiritual discernment of the Word and the understanding that the Word is written eternally. It is not written about you. It is not about your little life. It is not written about 2021. It is written about the all of eternity uh, to all of the saints. And when you understand that, then everything has a spiritual synergy. There are no conflicts. It all makes sense. And the other thing you have to know is that Jesus established a new covenant, which is an eternal contract. So he raised the bar when he arrived. That's why he spent all that time going, you heard it was said that you can, you know, get, do this or do that or kill somebody or kill or hate people that hate you and all that kind of stuff. But I say you have to love your enemies. So you can imagine the people that were, they were, they were looking at him going, are you kidding me? He was establishing brand new rules that never existed. But if you've got to understand how a contract works. Old contracts have clauses. That's why Matthew 18, 18 says, that which you bind on earth is bound in heaven. That which you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. The loosing and binding is an act of the courts. And God is the God That's right. of God. Amen? And, and we, First Peter 2, 9 says, we are. A royal priesthood. It doesn't say you're becoming one. It says you right. are now, today, yes. a royal priesthood. Yes. And, and we are partakers is, of the yes. divine nature. <laughs> yes. And so, so when you said you were, you're going to love this. You're going to. This is going to make you smile. Uh, and and for all those out there that are having trouble sleeping, just remember this as you're getting ready to go to bed. All right. We're from the island of misfit toys. <laughs> We're from the island of misfit toys. I'm a Charlie in the box. I mean, the problem is that, I mean, I don't want this to sound puffed up, but we know too much. And so they're naturally, you know, in their world, they're looking at us like we've lost our ever-loving minds. That's exactly right. I had a pastor tell me that, I went to my pastor actually after this visitation and I'm, I'm trying to put it into words and he just, now keep in mind, this is a Southern Baptist pastor and, and he looks at me and he said, Paige, he said, um, you know, you might, you, you might want to pray about this because, you know, near death experiences have been known to be demonic and uh, it, this, this may be a work of the enemy here. So I would be very careful 
with who you share this with. I said, are you kidding me? I'm going to share it with the world. Right. I, I met God. You know what? I met him. Look, you're, you're only rebuttal to that. While what he said is actually true, and there are a lot of people that dork around with peyote buttons and things like that, and they have supernatural oh, yes. experiences. Yes. The, D, the DHT people yes. that take that particular plant that grows indigenously down in South America, and they go yes. on these spiritual trips. I agree. Those, they are they are uh uh encountering you know it, it, paul said and he and and you know he said lucifer can change himself into an angel of light which is true and we've had people on the show that have encountered lucifer when he was converted into an angel of light and they said it was exceedingly difficult to tell the difference between him and the lord okay so his ability to imitate god's light is is scary and there is a fake heaven and hell so be advised you will hear i won't name names i will not name names but you will hear testimonies of people that have been taken to heaven that say oh i saw so and so in heaven and you're thinking to yourself there's no way that person made it to heaven and then you'll hear the testimony of somebody else that was taken to hell and they'll be like no i saw that person in hell the problem is that Satan has one. a mock-up. He has a mock-up of a fake heaven. And, and, and you know the fascinating thing about that? I've noticed it's a pattern. The one, every single time the person has been taken to some version of hell, and by the way, Dante's Inferno is absolutely anointed and accurate, and hell does have multiple levels, absolutely. And, um, yes. and um, every... That guess what? That validates the testimony. When Angelica Zambrano begged Jesus to take her to heaven, a man was they never saw this guy before, and he shows up on their door. She was living in the Honduras. And he knocks on their door and he says to her, The Lord has heard your prayer. And he says, But first you have to die. And she's, she's like 15 years old. She's like, you've got to be kidding me. And he's like, nope, you have to die. You're going to die here in this living room in approximately three days. You are going to drop over and die. Tell your family now and prepare. And so she freaked out and told her family. And, of course, they're freaking out. They're all Christians. And sure enough, right in front of the entire family, she dropped dead in her living room. And um, and an angel came and took her down into hell, and she was crying her eyes out, begging them, please don't make me go there. Please don't make me go there. Please don't make me go there. But they, one of the things that I know, I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that when a person is taken to any version of hell, it absolutely validates their testimony. And what, what you could have done, and I pray and in a way it's kind of good that you didn't, you just let him go ahead and go on his way because we don't want to cause, you know, Proverbs six sixteen seventeen says that it's an abomination to cause division amongst the brethren. So it's better to just walk away. But the only appropriate, here's the thing. There is no way Satan is going to take you to a fake place Without an ulterior motive. Right. Right? Right? And so one of the things I noticed of those who were taken to the fake heavens is they're saying things to the body of Christ that are dangerous. Yeah, they lead them away. It, it, yes. It, it does. It, yes. Yes. And that's the one um, – there's so oh, there's so many – there's so many things that I could share, but the, uh, the holiness and perfection 
of God. But the love, and that's why I wanted to touch on that and make sure that um, they pointed that out. Um, I want to go back quickly. Hold on just a second. Hold on just a second. I got to say this. Hold on just a second. Hold on just a second. I'm sorry to interrupt. Stand right where you are. Don't forget. Don't forget. Make a mark. (laughs) Folks, listen, if you are listening to the live stream at this time, you need to dial 319-527-6020. Again, 319-527-6020. You must do this before 930 Eastern time, or you're going to hear the show that you are trying to dial into has ended. So we are going to run in an overtime. Praise the Lord. That's very cool. You're being advised now. Dial on your phone, 319-527-6020, and then you'll be able to listen in to the overtime. Otherwise, you're going to have to go back and listen to the podcast, which will capture automatically all the overtime uh, discussion. Now, that being said, please do continue. Go ahead. <laughs> I want to go back uh, to the drug use part. So <clears throat> I was awakened, and I had not completely detoxed at that point um, from uh, the the drugs and the Lord showed me what that did to my body. Uh, I was completely set free from it uh, during that visitation, so it was just no more. And I tell more of the story in the book how that happened, but He did show me what was happening in my body, what that fake reality really was and why I even pursued that in the beginning. He gave me answers to so many questions, how that trauma, and this is one of the things I'm a a counselor now, and um, there's so much that I can share with people about their trauma and how the enemy uses that trauma to then spawn these destructive behaviors and, and destructive emotions. But the Lord took that opportunity to teach me and to show me, and to show me how his love is all that I need. And even though, like you were saying, you know, you were crying out, like, I, I, I want to love you, Lord. I want to love you. I knew his love for me was so great. His love was the answer. And although he's perfect, I knew I would never be perfect but that I have that relationship with him going forward. He also emphasized to me, you know, when um, Elisha, when Gehazi's eyes were open and he could see into the spiritual realm, the warfare that was going on around him, that's what I can compare this to. Uh, This other reality that my eyes were, were opened to, I could hear conversations on the phone um, for example, when the guy at the time I was living with, God showed me that I would marry him. We were, we were not doing the right thing at the time, but he showed me um, that even in my sin, that he called things that be not as though they are and showed me what would come in the future, which it, it did. But anyway, I would hear conversations. And I could hear him on the phone with his father, and he was trying to explain to his dad that, you know, I was having this crazy psychotic episode, and his his dad, I could hear him on the phone saying, you know, just just love her through it, just get her through it. But the Lord started speaking to me about the father and the son relationship. Now, see, I remember I told you at the time, I thought I was, I had my golden ticket too. 
and that's really all I needed. And I could continue, you know, dabbling, do what I want to do. And I was still going to heaven, but that was far from the truth. So the Lord allowed me to officially make that decision on my own. He didn't push himself on me. He wasn't saying, you know, this is what you're going to believe. He kept stressing the father-son relationship and the spirit of the Lord indwelling us. I saw the, the Trinity then in a way that, again, I could have never, no, they didn't really talk about the Holy Spirit in the churches that I was in, much less, you know, it was like a condiment with the meal uh, as the one that executes the new covenant, right? And you mentioned new covenant. That was another thing that was emphasized over and over is the covenant that God has made with us. And it's an eternal contract. The definition of a covenant is, is an eternal contract. So if you don't understand how the legal system works, you do not understand the superseding clause that is bound. It's bound into the contract. It's certified by a judge. That means it's binding, a binding agreement. You know, it's all about the courts of heaven. It, you know, it's Zechariah 3, verse 1 through 7. You know, Joshua the high priest standing before the and Satan, you know, accusing him. And our father says to Satan, you know, but bug off. Bug off. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? But our father had to disrobe uh, Joshua the high priest because he was seeping in sin. So here's this guy, high priest, standing before God. Satan standing there accusing him right there in the courts of heaven. And you know it's happening in the courts because it even says so if you all the way down to heaven. But it's an amazing story because God said, I will I will take away those filthy garments from you. I will put a clean, fresh white robe up upon you. So we never here's the key. We are never sin free. And I can give you endless scriptures that will prove this is absolutely a fact. As a matter of fact, Romans 14, verse 23b, the second half of the clause, b, says, that which is not from faith is sin. Well, what did Jesus say over and over again to his hand-picked apostles? Oh, ye of little faith, which is just a tantamount to him saying, oh, ye that continue to sin. So, and, and there's so many examples of this when attention to the details of the Bible. So how do you how do you reconcile this? You reconcile it because it's a process and it doesn't have an end. It's a never ending process. So what happens right. is confession is required. But confession is to the Lord. It's a personal relationship. And godly sorrow is because you truly love your father and you know that you stepped out of line. And if you really love him, then, then, you, then you have godly sorrow. You, you're like, oh, I can't believe I did this again. But he is merciful and he will help you through it. Absolutely. And there is no end. But here's the key. The key is it's a, it, it, you are constantly monitoring yourself. You're a con, your spirit, it is a three-way street. You are expected to be obedient. It's not a gift. You know, they try to tell you in, in the church that, um, oh, he's talking work, works-based salvation. And I'm like, no. Works has to do with inheritance and rewards. That's why Jesus said, behold, I come quickly and my rewards are with me to give to each according to his work. Revelation 22, 19. Well, you know, you, but dare not say the word work in a church or they'll have the ushers throw you in the parking lot. That's right. Yeah. Especially that extreme grace that's taught, right? 
You know, the oh, works yeah, you, are the, oh, yeah. it is the outworking of our faith. The works will follow. Right. I tell people all the time, you got to spend more time. Look, it's so, it's so, when you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, when you tell the, or straight up, when you're constantly confessing, you're constantly working on it, you're, you know, you confess. Sometimes I can even show you scriptures where it explains that we have sin in our lives that we're unaware of. And so I yes, tell people, listen, confess, get on your knees, take it seriously and tell the father, father, I know I committed sins that I'm unaware of. I need all the help that I can get, um, you know, uh, and I and, and I confess of them right now. I confess of them before you, you know, Nehemiah in chapter one, verse six, stood before God and confessed to the sins of the people of the lands of Israel. What right did he have to do that? Why did he have that yes, right? Because John twenty twenty five says, uh, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. We have the power as a royal priesthood to act on behalf of the kingdom and, uh, and because we are Jesus. We, it is no longer us who lives, but Christ who lives in us. The problem is we're, un- yes. we're unwilling to accept the power that we have, uh, and, and that drives me crazy. I, you know, people are all like, oh, my gosh. And I'm like, I was just talking to this girl just today, a friend of the family. And she's like, well, where should I move, John? Because obviously the apocalypse is on its way. Should I move to like Denver? Should I move to like, you know, where should I move? I need to move out of the way because, you know, obviously this is going to happen and Florida is going to be wiped out by the meteor and all that. And I said to her, Kelly, why do you want to run? Jesus said, he who seeks to save his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. What are you running from, Jesus? And she goes, oh. I didn't think of it that way. <laughs> like, right? You know? Right? Yes. You touched on the secret sins of the heart, and that's one thing that he did show me. Uh, he showed me my heart and all that it is um, that is contained within. I saw secret secret desires of my heart during the what I call the good part when he started showing me all the really good things and. I think they couldn't have known, but he did show me during that um, hell experience the things in my heart that I didn't even recognize. That once he brought it to the light and exposed that darkness, uh, I I had no choice but to say, "Yeah, that's right." That I, I didn't even. How did you know that? You know, how did you know these things? I didn't even really recognize until you just emphasize that this is in your heart. The heart of man is desperately wicked. I didn't, I thought I was a good person, Johnny. I thought I was a good person. That was my argument really. And there was nothing. And he just wiped that right off the map. You know, this is really in your heart. God saves such as have the contrite spirit. We need to live the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. The Pharisee said, praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I am saved. And the tax collector looked down and he rent his robe and said, I am unworthy. And Jesus said to his apostles and his disciples that were following him, he said, you need to be that. And instead what we run across is in the the churches, everybody's running around going, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. And then they're going back into the same sin. Look, I'll tell you what, this will sober some up if they can receive it. I love it when Jesus said, my favorite words in the Bible is, I have a lot of them. I, I Actually, I can't nail them all down because i got thousands of them. But I love it when Jesus says, if you can receive it. Because really what the moral of the story is, is that you can't. 
You really have to move to a whole other dimension of understanding. You've got to transcend time, space. You've got to understand multiple universes. You've got to understand God and how big he is. You really, really, in order to receive, you've got to understand the concept of incarnation versus reincarnation. Reincarnation is satanic. Incarnation is normal. That's why there are men angels. There's a difference between men angels versus angels that appear like the one that appeared before uh, 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 um Oh, uh, Daniel. Okay, the one that appeared before Daniel had a you know face like barrel and eyes like lightning, and it freaked him out so bad he threw himself on the ground and said, "Oh my gosh, help me, help me!" Right. You know, and, and then the angels that went over to Lot's house, they were just men. Well, they had obviously incarnated from a spiritual form into a man form, so they have the ability to manipulate the realm that we're in. If you understand quantum physics at all, you understand that we're really in a kind of like a particle. We're like in a hologram. Even, even, even uh, Einstein said, we are living in a hologram, albeit a very convincing one. Okay. And he's right. That's what I can compare that to when I, when I, when my eyes were open to this other dimension. Um, it was kind of staticky and there were strings connecting everything. It was like everything was connected in that dimension uh, I saw how strongholds developed, and it was almost like a, a web uh, around me. And there were, um, it, it looked like, uh, I wouldn't say, a, it was like a ball. It was like this, this net that was stuck there. And there was thoughts. It was things that I had um, been deceived uh, into thinking the enemy had encapsulated this stronghold and as soon as God as soon as like the the truth came to my understanding it was gone it just was like particles just disappeared um, and, and there were there was all of these things that were connected that I could see when my eyes were opened to that dimension that I couldn't see normally if that oh, makes look sense at this. Uh, it, it, what you're talking about is it really it's in the Bible, but you have to be able to sense it spiritually. Like, for example, this is just amazing. Psalm 19, verse 12. Listen to this. But you really got to put, you know, your thought into the Bible. You know, when I when I I'm not like a professional writer. I work in cybersecurity, but I got to write these reports and, you know, it, it's got they got to be perfect. If I miss a period, I'm a dead. Well, I don't want to say I'm a dead man, but I could lose my job. So anyway, um, but here's the thing. Listen to this. Psalm 19, verse. We'll start with verse 12. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from my secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me, and then, only then, shall I be blameless. And I shall be innocent of, get this, great transgression. That's another lie the church teaches. All sins are the same before God. Oh, that's the biggest bunch of blind oh, yeah. I've ever heard. But, but anyway, that, that whole, it, right there it is. Secret faults, things you were unaware of, sins that you were committing, but you're not aware that you're committing them, and presumptuous sin. You know, I have, um, I'm sure you've seen this, where people are like, they're out in the inter- internet, and they create a website, and it's like, you know, uh, welcome to the, the remnant bride group. And I'm like, that's a presumptuous sin. You just assume that you made it. You know, it's we're yeah. supposed to be the opposite. We're supposed to, you know, uh, seek out our, our salvation with fear and trembling. You know, First Peter four seven yeah. says, First Peter four seven says, um, if a righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the sinner and the ungodly be? But no one ever teaches. 
you know, it's like, where is Leonard Ravenhill today? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, we need a little bit more of that. Yes, and when Paul said that, you know, they will escape as if they are barely escaping the flame. You know, what do, what do we do? You, you talk about, you know, hey, you, you felt like you were somewhat in your own world. I felt like I have been in my own world. Why aren't more people on fire for God? It's because they won't let go of their churchianity. They won't let go of their religious institution. And it, it, that is what has to, like God told you, you have to get rid of those walls. You have to get rid of all of that um, doctrine and Christianese, you know, I'm really glad that you said Christianity. that. It is, yes, it's what he did to me. He said, it all has to go. Now, back then during that experience, that visit, I didn't know that part of it. I just knew that I saw what I didn't or hadn't been shown or taught in church. And then when I started to share this message, people just thought I was you know, out of my head. I said, no, this is who God really is. This is who he is. And there is a hell and there is a, a judgment, but he loves us so much that he died for us and, and that we can then become one with him, that he lives in us. You know, John 17 is one of my favorite chapters and talking about how God is in us, Father, Son, and Spirit, we become one with him and what that really means. That's what I lived during that experience and I too um, believe that there have been many demonic encounters like uh, as far as NDEs and, and stories of heaven and all that because when I hear when I hear what either the demons or the psychedelic experience that they had the holy the holiness the um the, the righteous component is usually missing um, yes. from the stories that I have heard. That, um, it's all that good news. Right? It's always yeah. good news. Yes, There's right. no negative. I tell people all the time, and I credit somebody else for using this analogy because I thought it was brilliant. I, and, uh, and, uh, and I, but anyway, long story short, the, 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 uh, I like to say all the time, the current of the Holy Spirit will not flow through the battery unless the negative battery terminal is connected. <laughs> yes. Sorry. That's and bad. and and, that's and I I appreciate you saying reverent fear of God, but when Jesus and and that's a very kind and and, and a very kind and godly way to put it, and and because it does help people to embrace it a little bit, but um but you know what when Jesus said Jesus said, fear him, fear him who has the ability to cast body and soul into hell, fear him, you know what right. Jesus wasn't messing around. And it has nothing to do with dispensationalism. That is just a fake lie from Satan that is given to the church to allow them to make it up is. excuses so that yeah. they can go back into sin and start hitting on the people in the choir. That's exactly what it is. It's a lie. It's a lie. You take out all the dispensationalism. Take out all the contents, context. Fear God for hellfire. Jesus said, hey, if, you're, if your eye offends thee, rip the dag thing out and throw it in the garbage disposal. 
Now, granted, you know, I don't think Jesus intended anybody to rip their eye out literally, but on the other hand, he was trying to make a point. You better run. You better change your ways. I've had things where um, I've gone through trauma, and I know now looking back, because hindsight's 2020, but um, God had to bring me down. He had to smash my head in. He had to take a big old gigantic 15-pound sledgehammer and drop it down from the throne room and let it smash me into the ground and completely discombobulate and turn my life upside down. I mean, I have had encounters with satanic ritual abuse, tried to kill me, police cars in the front of the house. I mean, just unbelievable stuff and hell I've gone through. But you know what? When I look back on it, it's all just a series of miracles that resulted in making me eat a humble pie that caused me to gain 70 pounds. I mean, it's just amazing um, because if I hadn't gone through that, because you're right, you, I, I don't remember exactly how you said it, but you said it, it was part of your testimony. But when you go through trauma And you said something along the lines of when you go through trauma and you are dealing with strongholds, um, you – I don't don't remember exactly, but I can tell you my side of the story. I think it probably lines up with yours pretty close. I – now, analyze, you know, I analyze everything, and I was looking at it. I was looking at my life, and I was like, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have had to go through that. And then it hit me. If I hadn't have gone through that trauma, if I hadn't have had all those things – and by the way, that trauma, because of the nature of the whole story, which is a long story. I'm not going to go there, but I'm just saying, was so significant and drawn out over about a period of a year that it it put me in a very bad place. Let's just leave it at that. And it caused me to have to fight my way tooth and nail, praying every day for help. Um, which covens were assigned to kill me, the whole deal. I had to go – I had to study special prayers and spiritual warfare tactics and everything to get, get them off my back. That, that's a whole pain in the hiney cheeks there for sure. But anyway, if I hadn't gone through – what I went through, I would have been very guilty of presumptuous sin. I actually believed before I went through that trauma that I had arrived. I honestly believed that I was worthy. I believed that I, because of the way I was praying, but then, you know what, after a while, sometimes you forget, seek ye first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. Not you, not yours, your personal righteousness. We're seeking the Father's righteousness. Right. It's, right. It's, we have to it die in order to live. It's so true. And if God hadn't dropped the giant rock on my head and let me – I was put into a place where I had to fight for over the course of several years to get myself back yeah. to a place where I was actually seeing progress being made again. But that – I had to go through that. I had to. Otherwise, yes. I, because I, I lost my humility. I lost it. I, you know, I could do a great Leonard Ravenhill preaching. I could put the fear of God in you like nobody's business. But I actually thought 
I didn't have any. I thought I'd come to a place where I'd conquered it all. And I and, and, and it wasn't until I got beaten down and over years of time built back up making I tell people three steps forward, two steps backward, three steps forward, two steps backward, because what happens is That's during so the trauma, you, you'll get a stronghold. During the trauma, when you go through really bad times, a stronghold will get a hold of you, and they won't let you go. The demons won't let you go. They, what they'll do is they'll say, oh, you can do it just a little bit. It's okay. Just a little bit. You're, you're, hey, man, it's just, just like this. It's not, you know, and, and, and it's so hard to shake it all and get it all back on order. And I just kept on waking up every morning saying, Jesus, I, I laminated Mark eleven twenty three. Where it says, where Jesus says, have faith in God, whatever you ask, when you pray, believe that you will receive it and you will have it. Okay, I summarized it. And I, I laminated, and every morning I would wake up and I'd say, praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. You are not a man that you would, you, you are not a man that you would lie. I'm holding the scripture here in my hand, and I am praising you because I know that you're going to bring me through this. And it might take a while, I get that, but you're going to bring me through it. I know you are. And um, and those are the kinds of battles that the really, really super-duper hard ones are the ones that when you finally – when you personally – Jesus says – and I'm going to turn the mic right back to you uh, for the last 10 minutes. But, but just to make my point, and I you know, brought this up in a prior show recently, Philippians 4.13, everybody loves it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Look at the words. Look at the words. I can do all things through Christ who what? Does it all for me? No. It says strengthens me. But if you're not following the rules and you're living in willful and habitual sin, and you're now if you're legitimately trying to fight yourself out of it, and you're praising God right. and saying, thank you, Jesus, for bringing me through this. It might take a while. Don't be down on yourself. Don't, don't let the devil tell you how unworthy you are while you're fighting your way out. Because God is going to – he's going to let you fight. He wants you to lose a few fingernails clawing your way out of the well. Because that's how you learn. It, it's, 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 a re, it's a rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. I dorked up, I confess, and you move on, and you rinse and repeat, and you rinse and repeat. But, you know, what you never want to do is get to that place where, hey, I made it, and I'm a preacher of a big church, and I'm not going to say anything that's going to offend anybody because i got to get a new roof put on next week. <laughs> you know, forget that noise. Oh, Good. That's so good. He said years ago, he said, Paige, it's a constant reprieve. He said, rinse and repeat. That's good. It, it's a constant reprieve. We think we arrive and then, bam, we get smashed. That was the cycle over the, the past, uh, really, it started in 2009. The visitation was in 2002, and then subsequent visitations occurred. But, but you know, that that constant reprieve, that humility, that place of humility, of constant surrender and, and observation of where we are, where we aren't, and where we're going is crucial. So that refiner's fire, I, like you, have had so many um, traumatic 
experiences. It sounds like you kind of had your own version of uh, the book, Set the Captives Free. Um, but yeah, <laughs> we tried to get her on the show. We tried to get um, Rebecca oh, man, on the show several times. Yeah, she's she's with Jesus now. But it was funny. We kept on calling, calling, calling to get her on the show, get her on the show, and then finally somebody picked up the phone and said, "Oh, she's already gone to heaven." And we're like, "Darn it!" <laughs> you know, it's we man, oh, I'm so glad you know what that book is. Oh, wow. But yeah, so that that trauma would. For me, you know, it, I would wind up with destructive emotions, and then that was a stronghold, and then, you know, we would have to deal with that. Feeling and, sorry and for yourself. Lord... How about oh, that one? Yeah, Feeling sorry right. for yourself. Talk about demons swarming you like flies on, you know, <laughs> we'll say we'll say like Ben Franklin, fly, fly, flies on honey. But, um, <laughs> you know, demons will just jump yeah, on you, man. The second, yeah, you start to feel sorry for yourself, and guess what? You just jumped on a toboggan right into the pit of sin. That's right. That's right. And you come out of that realizing, okay, all right, all right. I, I look at it like Navy SEAL training. The Lord used to use that parallel with me a lot. You know, I cannot believe you just said that. I just watched several Navy SEALs. I am not kidding you. Just Friday afternoon, <laughs> I was watching end back-to-back Navy SEALs training uh, videos on YouTube. And you might say, John, okay, come on. That's a little weird. Well, I'll tell you why. Because uh-huh. I, I was attracted to a book in Kindle, and the name of the book was called Overcome. And it was written by a Navy SEAL that got shot in the head. And had to go through like several years of thousands of, of reconstructive surgeries because his face was blown off. And, um, and, and it's a long story, but the reason I liked it was it was like I always cop this attitude like I can't climb the mountain. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like God, what, we got to get out of that pit. That's a pit. It's a lie from hell. You know what I'm saying? You got to cop. You got to adopt the attitude first. You don't say, you know, well, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I'm going to sit around and wait for Christ to strengthen me, and then I'm going to do it. No, that is not how it works. It's the other way around. You know what I mean? That's exactly. That's exactly right. You fight your way out of it, and that's what I try. I, I look at the people that he sent me over the years, and and the training that I will offer them if if they'll allow it. You know, tell them, look, this is going to be hell. It, it, it's going to be. But you're going to live. You're going to be okay. And I use that Navy SEAL parallel because there are some that enter into, quote, unquote, budge training. You know, you might have a class of, of the ones that enter in. You've got 150 in a class, but you're only going to have 10 that graduate because they're going to be those that get stuck. They will never get out of hell week. It, they, you know, oh, woe is me. They ring the bell. And they exit or, you know, they do wind up at least making it through into the final days of training. And they get stuck in that place where they're going around the same mountain over and over. I said, no, Lord, I'm going all the way with you. I want to go all the way, no matter what. I want to live what you showed me in 2002. I want to live with you every day. And I don't care what that entails. I just want the fullness of you while I'm here and to share it with the world, to share your truth with the world. And whatever we've got to go through, that's what we're going to go through. And I don't have a lot of empathy, Johnny, for, I, I think that's been kind of a, a, a weakness, but a strength, I guess. Empathy for people that won't go the distance with God. 
and they, they revert back in that comfy chair and they think, you know, well, you know, I, I'm just going to, I'm just going to hit the right, you know, when the rapture comes, I'm gone. And, and I'm like, you're missing it. You're missing it. There are people here who are dying. They're going to hell. One in 10, he said, in that particular mega church, which happens to be one of the big churches in my area, uh, thousands and thousands of people, one in 10, he said, we have to share the truth. And the truth is there is a hell, there is judgment, but there is this great relationship that we can have with God. Just like you said, he requires that surrender, that constant place where we are cognizant of who we are, who we aren't, and who he is in and through us on a daily basis and what we can do through him. But we have to take the step and we have to want that relationship and that union. So if there is anything that in, in moving forward this time in which we are in, you know, yes, we are in this cataclysmic moment in the future slash past, but this is the time when we need to be shouting, wake up, wake up. And there are all these people, I've had visions of people, you know, with their head hung and their eyes closed. We think they're waking up, but the masses are still asleep. We've got people taking, you know, this injection, this bioweapon. We've got people that are pushing it on others and, and they're so delusional that they're way back here. They haven't even entered into training yet, much less, you know, making it through to the end of that um, that camp, so to speak. And if you need it again, he'll send you through it again. It's like you said, if you need a sledgehammer, he's going to send you a sledgehammer. He's going to bring you back through that refiner's fire as often as necessary to keep you in that place. Oh, man. But, you you nailed it. I, I, I can tell you in my journey since the – I'll just call it the big event. I've had several big events, but this one was really big. This was like Amityville Horror kind of thing, you know. But anyway – Oh, um, yeah. Oh, I'm talking about being thrown down the stairs, and it was literally attempted murder. Uh, if, if I wasn't bleeding from the top of my body to the bottom of my body with my hand, my, my finger bit half off and a contusion the size of a softball, they would have taken me to jail, but they took her to jail. Um, uh, wow. And then I went down because I knew that she was SRADID and she had uh, she was programmed and in an altered state. And, uh, and literally, you know, I'm twice her size, and she just literally just threw me down the stairs, smashed my head in the wall. Uh, and by, by that time, I had called 911. That was a miracle because of the strength that this demon, this strong man that was inside the altar had was was so astonishingly powerful that angels had to have held her down uh, uh, in order for me to be you know, bleeding as much as I was to be able to dial 911 with, a, with one hand and a finger bit half off. And I screamed into the phone, she's killing me, she's killing me. And, um, uh, and that was all it took, of course, for them to dispatch a bunch of uh, police to a domestic dispute. But in Florida, the law is that the male is automatically taken to jail. If there's any sign of any bruises, no matter what, the male is taken to jail. That is the end of the story because, you know, conflicting, blah, 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 so it's always the male. Well, what happened was she, she in her altered state, in a, in a state of a strongman, she was 
unscathed. There wasn't a single, I mean, her hairs were in perfect place, you know, because this was a very, very powerful strongman demon. And, um, uh, but anyway, long story short, um, the entity was out there telling the police that I was attempting to kill it. And, um, uh, and then I, you know, long after all, all that nonsense was going on, I managed to pull it together enough to be able to walk out on the front porch and, um, uh, and the head officer in charge saw how badly beaten I was and um, said, put the cuffs on her immediately. And they threw her in the car and pretty much, you know, gave me these papers that I had to fill out. I couldn't, couldn't leave until I filled out my deposition on what happened and all that. Uh, but, uh, but then I knew that she was, uh, you know, that that was a demon. It wasn't her fault. So I went down to the, a few days later, I went down to the state attorney's office and I pleaded on her behalf. And I, you know, the medical report, get her off the hook, I said, you know, because, you know, you can't go down to the state attorney's office and say, well, you know, she was satanically ritually abused and she had multiple alters and they're going to like throw you in jail, you know, so I had to go down and do the, well, she's been to the town and country hospital and and she was diagnosed with, you know, schizophrenia and multiple personality disorder. And they were like, oh, that's just terrible. How terrible. And they let her out of jail. Uh, but now, uh, the last I heard, she's been, she's on shots of Abilify, and her mother took her, which is fine. But here's the point: the the Abilify. What people don't understand about that is Abilify so de debilifies you. <laughs> what happens is the the devils inside of you can no longer control your breathing. They can't control your mind because the Abilify drug completely it, it it renders you in a almost like zombie like state and then the demons can't even overcome the drug the the effect that the drug has on the physiological person that it's injected into keeps the demons from taking control of that person's body and spirit or whatever you know and so what happens is it seems to solve the problem but it doesn't so anyway, I have to, I've been praying for her every single day. Uh, you know, I, 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 my prayer list is so huge. It's amazing. Oh gosh. But anyway, um, I, I tell people, look, if I, if Walden books was still in existence and I put this all in a book and I handed it to them and said, put it in the nonfiction section, they would laugh so hard. They'd chuck it over into the fiction section and say, yeah, right, buddy. <laughs> but you got to have to, you got to make these. Huh? Yes. That's like set the captives free. It seems like this this crazy outlandish story, but I knew when I read it, this happened. Oh, no, no. It's, it's very, very real. The biggest lesson to be learned from that, from that book, other than the fact that werewolves are real and well, everything, the whole book is a lesson. I joke all the time. And I tell people, if you haven't read that book, you're not even allowed into the Johnny Baptist kindergarten for Jesus. But, um, right. But anyway, it, 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 the, uh, for me, I struggled because I'm a Pentecostal background which is all dorked up, by the way, I struggled with how they were able to be under such continuous attack from the witch coven. But what I didn't know that I know now is that when a human invites walk-ins of multiple strength into them voluntarily, that's a whole different dynamic. You don't just walk up to a person who's invited like eight strongman demons inside their body. You don't walk up to them and go, in the name of Jesus, I bind and cast you out. It doesn't work. And that's why the story, when they, when they had the um, – I got – look, I am, I'm not joking you. I got a call from a Todd, Todd White revival in Orlando from a pastor that was assisting – 
And he's like, we can't get the devils out of this one woman. We have cast out demons, bunches and bunches and bunches of people. We've been casting out demons all night long. But we have this one woman, and we can't get the demons out. And I said, that's right, and you won't because it's S-R-A-D-I-D. They're in multiple alders, and you can't get them out. You can't. And they were like, oh, okay, because they don't understand S-R-A-D-I-D. Yes, yes, yes. I have a um, – it's funny that you mentioned that that's part of what we do at our church. Um, uh, I don't – people call oh, it believers. If we get disconnected, we're over, we're over my maximum limit on time, so they, they might, you know, cut us off any second now. So keep, go, keep on going, but, yeah, I could get – if you get disconnected, it's not because you said anything wrong. It was because the blog talk radio automatically disconnected us. I just wanted to let you know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No problem. No problem. Um, well, hey, where where can I where will I be able to get the link later? Is it going to be available on the website? Can we just go in and grab it? Yeah. Yeah. Just um, uh, uh, I'll send you the uh, link, the marketing email okay. for this uh, show. It'll have the link in it. Um, I'll send it to your email address before I retire for the night. Good. Okay, great. No, what I can say is the um, uh, exorcism is a part of what I do on a very regular basis at our church. And I think, I'll, you know, my husband and I have a, um, a church in Mooresville, North Carolina, and uh, we are not the institution. We are not the four walls. We are very different. Uh, and we do, on a regular basis, uh, walk people through exorcism um, and deliverance. Well, you know, tell them what the name of the church is, because if you don't tell them, then they're going to start bugging me, and I'll be sending you emails from, you know, until Jesus returns. So, you know, please do tell people where they can get more information. What's the name of your church? How do they email you? How do they contact you? Because everybody's going to know anyway. So go ahead and share it. Absolutely. So my email address is coffee shop c o s f e y shop t v at gmail.com, coffeeshoptv at gmail.com, and our website is www.numa, that's N-U-M-A, ministry, singular, dot org. I only use the dot org just because I can, has nothing to do with the, uh, with the institution. I won't even go into that, but uh, it's numaministry.org. And you can go there and uh, contact us through the website. There's a counseling link there, and we're working on our um, uh, deliverance pages now. Uh, a lot of people shy away from the word exorcism, but I think it's a really good word because it is uh, putting the emphasis on the ejection of the demons. Uh, deliverance is, is kind of like what a lot of people do to, call them up or call them out and I just don't see that working very often. Uh, yeah, you can just cast out some of the low-lying fruit that like the big ones that we're talking about. Um, I haven't had anyone so far that has been um, uh, satanically ritually abused uh, not to the extent you're talking about. I have not encountered that yet, but we've dealt with some really um, some really bound demonically bound people walking in habitual sin, some of them, some of them uh, walking in the occult and uh, black magic, uh, dealt with some of those demons, but not 
to the extent that you're talking about, and that would be a challenge that I would really like to um, to be faced with. Um, yeah, SRAD deliverance is really, really challenging. It takes years sometimes. You, you, um, it's here's the problem. What happens is because of God has created man and woman to with a protective mechanism that is built into their DNA and their mind, and it's to protect us from trauma. That's why when we have a, yeah. a car accident that is very major, we can't remember hardly anything that happened because it protects us from continuously remembering yeah. the trauma. Well, when they take little children that are three, four, five years old at 2 o'clock in the morning to a satanic ritual, and they do horrible, horrible things that I will not repeat to those little tiny children, those children go into a state of trauma. And it goes, and that's known yeah. as an altered state. And what it does is it splits their soul. And then they do satanic yeah. rituals to invite extremely powerful demons to enter into the soul. And then the victim commits horrible sins while they're in the altered state. And they can do this over and over and over. Some of them have split souls to the tune of, you know, many times, uh, bunches and bunches of them. Now, here's the problem. In order to deliver them, you have to help them. They usually don't even remember any of these things because of the ritual abuse. It, they lose their memory. They're mind-controlled slaves. They do not understand what's happening to them. They have no idea, no recollection. However, the yeah. programming breaks down at the age of 35 and it gets and it breaks down more and more every year and then they start to remember what happened to them they start to remember the things and it's vivid and it's scary and it's horrific and it's a horrible thing for them to have to go through but in order to deliver them you have to work with each one of the souls or each one of the altered states or yeah. each one of the individual personalities and you got to help them to remember what they did and then they will then you got to help bring them to confession of those sins in that altered state and then they confess of their sins because the altar itself is a victim okay but they yeah. still have to confess of their sins and then the demons are released they don't have a legal right to stay in that soul room anymore the problem is if there's yeah. if they have seven or eight or nine split personalities you got to go you got it might take you three years you've got to counsel them help them to remember all the things that they did in that altered state they've got to confess of it and then you call the demons out but you got to work every yeah, altar one by one Huh? Yes, those altars come. Those altars come through. So I have dealt with that in um, in other situations. The altars, you're right. Every single one of them has to be dealt with. And sometimes there are. I have had uh, one gentleman that had seven in particular. And when when God when uh, David said He restores my soul, that's so true. You have to bring. Uh, the healing of Christ to each individual identity, each individual. Um, and I've had many uh, soul fragments, uh, different identities come through, personalities come through. The little child at eight years old or at five years old starts speaking to me um, and then allowing the restoration of the person's soul. So, I I understand what you're talking about in how the split occurs and that compartmentalization that 
it's we the same are thing. Humans. It's like a gift. Yeah. Yeah. No. What you're doing, what you're, you're dealing with, essentially the same thing as satanic ritual abuse. The the difference. Okay. For example, if if a, if a child is raped at the age of six, demons will enter them. Period. End of story. Yeah. Okay, I don't care if they're singing songs to Jesus at the time. When that rape occurs, demons are entering their body. Now, what happens yeah. is the um, that is a type of trauma, and that can actually cause the soul to split, and that can cause multiple demons to to be in different parts of their souls. You know, and 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 you know, and so yeah. So there's different degrees of it is where I'm heading with it. When they are actually part of the Illuminati bloodlines and, they, and they're, they're being programmed by an Illuminati programmer, um, like, you know, Savali, which is a fake name, but nevertheless, her testimony is very alarming and very true. Um, but uh, that's a whole different level because what they're doing, the, the satanic ritual stuff that they're doing to them is – it's very, very creepy, very, very powerful, and very, very effective. And it's so effective that the individual does not remember the trauma, and they do not remember who did it. They don't remember any of it. So they go through the age of 7, 8, 9, 10, through their teenage years, through their 20s, and they might have these bouts where they have – you know, they believe they're a targeted individual, they're super hyper paranoia, you know, and all that kind of stuff, because little bits and pieces kind of start to come back to them, even when they're younger. But the problem is the demons that are brought into them through the ritual are very, very powerful, and 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 they don't remember it, and that's where it becomes a real problem. But you're you're doing it, you're already dealing with it, and, and obviously successfully. Praise Jesus! It's just that, um, yeah, the really bad cases can take a long, long time uh, to get to get yeah. completely. And sometimes you can't get them all the way clean. Sometimes you know, like we have one guest we bring on the program pretty often. Uh, He's still dealing with multiple altars, but he's he's definitely delivered finally, praise God. But sometimes he just has, uh, you know, like I'll email him and say, are you ready to come on the show? And he'll be like, um, I'll let Robert know. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh, okay, wow. I'm not talking to Robert right now, you know. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's he's actually Illuminati first. He's bloodline Illuminati. Robert Robert Vandrius Mitchell, we bring him on once a month, and um, he's bloodline Illuminati. And the stuff that they do with them, it's unbelievable. Um, when they're like fully programmed, as a, they, they travel intergalactically. Did you know that? They, no. they travel intergalactically. No. They, they get on, they use, um, uh, just like in the movie Contact with Jodie Foster, where she gets into that time capsule and it gets hit with like this unbelievable amount of elect- EMF power, you know, electromagnetic force, you know, magnetism, they know how to do that kind of stuff. They can travel through time and all that kind of stuff. And I've had people like, they're like, well, this person has been taken into the future and the future doesn't look anything like the Bible looks like. And I said, that's right, because God knows the, the God knows the beginning from the end. And I said, and those multiple timelines can exist. However, God injects judgments into those timelines. So you can't trust the timelines that you're seeing from these beings or hearing from them because they're telling you what they saw. But they saw a period of time that is never going to happen because God is going to inject 
judgment into that timeline. I'm so glad and, you said that, right? Yeah. Our future is hidden in Christ. It, exactly. And that full measure of what that looks like, only he really knows. Absolutely. I would love to hear those. Um, I'm going to put around on the website. I'd love to uh, listen to those testimonies for sure. Uh, wow. Well, oh, the SRABID stuff? Yeah. That, that's some scary stuff. If you start, let's let me just toss over just a little word of care. When you start to study Santana, true, not not just trauma based alters and multiple personalities, which of course is consi- now the, the new term is disassociative identity disorder. But um, right. when you study the real deal. Not just trauma that occurred due to rape. That's a whole different level. I'm talking about the stuff that was done to them, you know, when they were like three years old. You know, this yeah. is stuff that's done. If they start the, they start the uh, traumatizing at the age, usually around the age of three. And the things that they do to these three years old, three year olds, cannot be repeated. I, the only word to the wise I would toss over your way is if you do start to study that stuff, prepare yourself because you will probably have very close to a nervous breakdown before you get through the material. It is so horrible. There are certain things that you will discover, and you cannot forget them. I, I literally studied that for I don't know how long, and I remember it was about 2 o'clock in the morning, and uh, I was going to bed, and I made it to the door of my office, fell to my knees, curled up in a fetal position, and started heaving tears uncontrollably laying on the floor. That's how horrible this stuff is. But that's good. Those are the very ones that I think is the that's the next level for um, uh, that I hope the Lord will allow allow me to walk through their exorcism because there's so few people that can help them. Um, and it's, the, it's, it's the bravest thing you can do. It's the most amazing. Did you know that Lester Summerall? I love reading books about God's generals because you learn amazing things that are extra. Yeah, you learn things that are not in the Bible at all, and you find out so many fibs that you were told by the church. Um, but Lester Summerall hated deliverance. He hated it. He loved leading people to Jesus. He didn't even want to be a preacher, and and the Lord said you're going to be, and he's like, no, I'm not. And the Lord said, yes, you are. <laughs> but anyway, he, he was in Manila. He was in Manila, and he didn't. The there was it was all over the radio, and there was this woman named Clarita that was in the jail in Manila, and she was heavily. She it was like Linda Blair right out of The Exorcist, and she was like killing people in the jail, and it was all over the radio. That was back, you know, like in the forties when everybody listened to those big zenith, you know, hardwood radios like you see in a Christmas story kind of thing. Well. It was all over the radio, and he was like in Manila because he was because the Lord told him he was going to get a church. But our fathers quid pro quo. He, that's what a lot of people don't understand. You know, they're like, "Oh, salvation is free." No, wait a minute. No, no, sorry. Hold on a second. God is quid pro quo. You do something for me, and I'll do something for you. And so what happened was Lester Summerall, he's like there going, I'm getting a church, I'm getting a church, la 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 la, and he's sitting in his hotel room getting ready to go meet the governor. 
and he hears on the radio this woman, Clarita, or, or, the, the, they're, they're doing a live broadcast. There's this woman, and she's in the jail here in Manila, and she is her, she is puking all over the place, and she's screaming profanities, and they're doing like a, it's like, listen, it's like watching a football game, but it's being broadcast over the radio. That's how demon possession was. She has just killed the guard outside the cell. And, 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 they're, and, and God said, Lester's listening to this and going, oh, my gosh. And the Lord said to Lester, he said, I need you to go to the jail and deliver Clarita. And Lester's like, no way. <laughs> He's like, I hate deliverance. And, and the Lord said to Lester in his hotel room that night, he said, Lester, I need you to go. I don't have anybody else. I don't have anybody else. And he went and he it, it took him about three days to get that woman, those demons out of that woman, <clears throat> all broadcast on radio. The governor of Manila uh, agreed because of such a val- you know, wonderful thing that he did for this woman, Clarita, agreed to give him this special property for his church. And then all of a sudden, Clarita remanifested. And it's all over the radio. And now she's just as full of demons as you can ever imagine. And, you know, the whole thing. And, and he's freaking out. He's like, how in the world is this even possible? He goes back into the jailhouse, and he says to the demon, how is it that you were able to come back? You tell me in Jesus' name. And the demon said to him, um, we have a legal right to return to her. She never told us we could not. She never told us we could not. She never told us we could not. And that's the moral of the story. The number one mistake in deliverance that people make is they deliver the demons, they pat them on the head, they say, come to our church, and they send them on their merry old way. But they don't teach them how to fight back. And they don't teach them to go and sin no more lest the worst thing come upon you. They don't teach them that. That's right. We give a whole booklet to every person that goes through deliverance and exorcism we, they get a booklet that is, the, the title on the front is How to Retain Your Deliverance, and it has this warrior, this, uh, she's happy to be a female because uh, my husband's friend does FBI drawings, and she drew this beautiful Ephesians 6 female warrior <clears throat> for the front cover, but it's how to retain your freedom, your deliverance, and it is go into no more because you know what? I was set free from Jezebel back in uh, years ago, and then it, it not only came back, but according to Matthew 12, 43, it came back seven times greater, and I had a yep. dream about sitting at a table with seven demons, and I'm just begging for a crumb, and then thankfully, I was set free that final time, and I knew better. I knew what brought them back. I wasn't, I wasn't walking down that road anymore. Back in 2002, God didn't show me all that stuff that would happen, you know, over the, the years of refinement and training. But I had to learn spiritual warfare by going through it. And when I started casting out demons, when I started confronting demons, they'll tell you if they have a right to be there. You ask them, what is your right to be here? Well, you know, she let me in, or I had her at birth, or I had him at birth, or, you know, 13 generations, in my situation, it was a 13-generation blood covenant. 
you know, my ancestors had sinned and, and it was in perpetuity, just passed down all those generations. And people, they, they leave you, like you said, you pat them on the head, you send them on their way. They're going to be bound seven times greater within no time. Right now, now you know something else. I had a person uh, email me recently, and she was, and and I praise God for anybody who goes and does any work in deliverance because it is some spooky, creepy stuff. No matter what, even if it's you know, doesn't matter. It's spooky. It's creepy. It is not. No wonder Lester didn't want to do it. I get it. Um, But you know, the the uh, the uh, the the thing. I had this one person, and I don't know where she came from, uh, but I was also told by the Lord that whenever somebody emails you, you're standing on holy ground, so you behave yourself. And um, uh, and she's like, you know, t- telling me I'm I'm doing all this, you know, divine healing and deliverance and all this kind of stuff. And but people are telling me this, and people are telling me that, and I'm like, no, no, that's wrong. It's not correct. And I would explain to her, here's how it works. The thing is. When a person so so they were telling her that you can't cast demons out of a person as a third party, okay? And I'm like, no, that's baloney. The way that you got to what happens is when you're say for example you you got a person that you love and it could maybe it's your aunt Matilda or whatever or, or or a son or a daughter, you can bind and cast those demons out of them. But but here's the thing, it, it, it it's it's not going to be in perpetuity. So what happens is when you're when you're trying to get a breakthrough for that individual, you it is a continuous process. You are constantly going back, going back, going back, going back, and hitting them. You're binding the demons. You're casting them out. You're calling down a holy fire, a thorny hedge of protection around about them. You are looking for a breakthrough. Okay, you are praying for that breakthrough, but you don't quit. Okay, you don't just like ignore the fact that they have demons and walk away from them. But the problem is, as a third party that is not receiving your counsel, those demons are going to come back. But it's your job to go back and punch them out again and take them out. So you know, it, it is a it's war. You know, if people understand how war works, I, I, this is one of the analogies. You'll probably love this. Maybe you'll even borrow it. Who knows? But I tell people like this: <laughs> if if you imagine a real war. You got, and you're sitting amongst a bunch of Christians on the one side of the field, and on the other side of the field is a Nazi, a Nazi encampment, and those are all the demons and Satan and all that. <clears throat> when those mortars start going off across the other side of the field, and it's at nighttime, what happens on your side? Well, you got a lot of Christians. The vast majority of them are going to shrink down into the foxhole. They're going to get in the fetal position. They're going to say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. But there's going to be a few very tiny remnant that are going to put their spiritual, uh, 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 you know, um, uh, you know, uh, what do you call that sword that they you mount to the front of the rifle? They're, they're going to put that on there and they're going to charge field they're going to ban it and they're going to charge across that field and they're going to say dang the torpedoes and they're going to jump right into that nest of demons and they're going to start killing the demons killing the demons killing the demons and i said the difference between an effective christian fighting against the forces of darkness is the one who puts the bayonet on jumps out of the foxhole and with the faith of god takes the fight right to the devil but here's the problem when you're doing that, you are now – your poster is on Satan's office in hell. You are now on the top ten most wanted list, and you've got to keep your ducks in a row because as soon as you slip, 
they're going to jump you. And t- so, so every yeah. single morning, you've got to be like, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, I declare a holy fire of God, a Zechariah 2.5, holy fire of God, to surround around about this household with a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to maintain it white hot in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And you've got to, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to have that divine protection around you, and it's got to be continuously rejuvenated because the second that your guard goes down, Oh man! They'll eat your lunch. Oh, they'll eat your lunch and pop the bag. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true, and and that's the difference in a warrior and a frontline sponge. It, it's and a lot of times it comes. It's so sad, but it comes out of ignorance. I had one person tell me. And I, I guess we'll probably uh, close with a prayer here because it's getting pretty late and i got to get up at about 4.30 and hit an elliptical. And I'm 60, just turned 60, so it's uh, very, very hard. But anyway, um, but uh, the, here, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, what was I going to say? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Um, the, uh, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. I, I lost it because I was looking at the clock. I'm an idiot. I'm a bonehead. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, I can't think of it. But anyway, I'm just going to go ahead and um, – what, what was the last thing that you just said? I know it the was – The difference in the warrior and the frontliner, the ones that uh, that that really the enemy – Yes. Just batters and uh, explodes into whenever they start deliverance and they aren't covered in daily warfare. Um, yeah, I was going to build on that. Amen. I was going to build on that because um, war. War is made up of many battles, and not every single battle is won. Sometimes you're going to take losses, and sometimes those losses are not going to be very nice. You're going to go through a really – it isn't – you know, you – I had – this was the testimony. I remember now. The Lord brought it back to my recollection. I had a person who used to be a regular listener of the program, but she had an, an adoration for a very well-known Christian preacher teacher that everybody knew and showed up on Jim Baker's show and all that kind of stuff a lot, whatever, that kind of thing. <clears throat> and she said, well, he tells everybody that we're not supposed to go after second-order demons. And I'm like, excuse me, that is not in my Bible. My Bible says in in Ephesians 6.10, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, powers, spiritualists, wickedness, and rulers of darkness in high places. And I said, and I don't know about you, but I have never seen a wrestling match where somebody ignored their opponent. Right. Right. You don't sit in the corner and cower at these things. As a matter of fact, what did Jesus say in, in, in John 14, 12, 13, and 14? He said, in greater things than, we, than these will they do because I go unto the Father. Well, when is that? What is that? At, what, does that happen after the new Jerusalem descends like a bride? Come on, please. It happens now. It happens right now. Amen. 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 Man, that's, this has been a uh, very... Um, exalting and fulfilling, spiritually fulfilling conversation. I'm very thankful um, that, you know, I don't know how you stumbled on my testimony. Honestly, I have no, how how did you even find that? (laughs) Um, I just got a notification that the show's been cut off, but I don't know if it's true or not. But um, no, Sister Nancy goes out. 
and hunts around and looks for guests that we can bring on. And, um, and I, I don't know what I'd do without her help. I, I, I just don't know what I would do. Cause I, I work a full-time job in consulting and it's, uh, that balance with all the radio shows is, uh, very challenging to put it lately, but um, wow. but anyway, do you want to go ahead and close wow. with a prayer before they actually cut our audio? I just got a big old flash yes. screen. Said, Your show has ended, John. <laughs> you know. Ah, uh, that's great. God, thank you so much. Thank you for this time. Thank you for the fulfillment in your spirit and the like-mindedness uh, with my brother. Johnny, I, I just remind you, as Nehemiah did, just bringing our petitions before you. Uh, I just pray, Lord, that you will remember us, remember the petitions, the, the secret desires of our hearts, Lord. You, you did in me back in 2002 uh, what I have pleaded with you to do on others' behalf. And I ask now that for Johnny, that the secret desires of his heart that he doesn't even fully even know we're there like you brought that secret sin you also showed me the secret desires of my heart and i pray lord that because of his service for so many years because of what he has done and sacrificed for your kingdom purpose and work lord i pray the deuteronomy 111 blessing over him that you have shared with me has been over this ministry let it be bequeathed into his ministry lord that you, the God of our fathers, would bless us a thousand times more than you have promised, Lord. He loves you. I see his giant heart for you and your kingdom and your people. Lord, I pray that you would multiply that, Lord, in his work of his hands, Lord. Let him be the head and not the tail. Let him be blessed going and coming, Lord. And let him be constantly, constantly mindful of your power and work as he continues to go forth. Let his ministry Lord, be magnified and greater works will you do in and through him. Now, in this time, in this day, let his voice of truth, let his tent pegs expand. Let his boundaries be made further. That expansion happen, Lord, that's necessary in this time. Send him a financial blessing, Lord, for his commitment. I just pray, Lord, that you would never muzzle an ox while it's treading grain. Let it be multiplied. So it is finished. I pray, Lord, that all of these words, everything that we have spoken tonight, Lord, as you said, it is finished. I pray that this is the end of this conversation, but the beginning, Lord, of a union of like-mindedness, Lord, of sister and brotherhood, where we can go out and continue to not only do the same, but greater work. As he said, he reminded me that is now Lord, I pray for those who have been abused. Lord, whoever heard tonight your truth. Lord, if anyone would need deliverance, exorcism, I pray that you would send them my way if it is your will. And I pray, Lord, that Johnny's testimony would be heard from east to west. We love you and honor you. I pray for Nancy. Remind you for Nancy, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. And I just got a notification that at the point that I mentioned the show, <laughs> send me that notification, it stopped recording. It just told me we stopped recording back then, but you, we let you keep talking. So when you listen to the program and you're like, hey, where's the prayer? Where's the last 10 minutes of our discussion? Well, 
they cut us off, but they were kind enough to let the the actual the, the actual phone systems allow us to keep talking, which was kind of nice of them. But anyway, thank you so much for joining the program tonight. Wow. I I, the, the, I I am astonished. It it doesn't happen that often. Um, maybe one out of every ten shows or less. Maybe one out of fifteen. But when you brought up the Navy SEAL thing and you started talking about buds and ringing the bell, I, I've, I've just, I just learned about all this stuff. I was just watching that stuff. That is in the book Overcome that I'm now right now studying. And um, it, that kind of spiritual confirmation slash synergy is all God. It does not happen accidentally. Yeah. So praise Jesus for the time that you spent coming on the program and me in accordance with your prayer. Amen. Praise God. And I just absolutely receive it. And I pray in Jesus name for the holy fire of God, the thorny hedge of protection to protect your ministry, to surround you, an anointing times 10 to fall upon your ministry or an outreach that touches people's lives and changes them, Father, to a magnitude that we are unable to comprehend. We just claim Ephesians 3.20 in the mighty name of Jesus. And now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us thank you jesus hallelujah thank you for joining us god bless you uh (laughs) full of surprises this evening was and uh worth every second thank you jesus i just i wish every bit of it was caught on tape but unfortunately it looks like we got cut off about uh, 10 minutes ago but anyway thank you so much for joining us tonight sister page what a powerful program Oh, you too, Johnny. Until until next time, right? Amen. Praise God. And we should have Amen. a next time too. All right, and I mean that because we're always fishing around. So we can we can just do like a, a show on just uh, deliverance, and you can share people stuff that you learned about that because that'd be a great program too. You want to do it? Oh, absolutely. Yes. All right. I'll let Nancy know. Many many stories. Okay. All right. I'll, Thanks, I'll let Nancy know. All right. I'll talk we'll to you soon. It. God bless you too. All right. Thank you all for joining all right. us. Thank you all for joining us. We'll see you at Wednesday night, Lord willing, 7 p.m. And I have no idea what we're going to talk about. God bless you all. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our minds. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you we will endure until you come back for your bride to set her free. Write our names in your book of life. We are cleansed through your holy sacrifice. As we lift your name on high. Renew our mind. Renew our soul. Remove the scars from our past. And deem us righteous. We rebuke all deceptive lies. When will your coming be? 
When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. We are the branches on the living tree. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. Until you come back for your bride. Just set her free. Watch us as we trim our wicks. Our lamps are full. Our hearts are right. Like those five wise virgins, we will be. Your bride awaits thee patiently. Blessed sound The dead will rise The churches gather We're praying that We're worthy, Lord To join our family When will your coming be? When will your trumpet Sound for me? We will endure And while we wait We will bring forth the fruit of the light of Christ. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure until you come back for your bride and set it free. Thank you. 